Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you may be in the world. And welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is Matt Hudson. And guess what? Joining me, as ever, is the Pod Prince. He's an all-round top man. And he'll always be the statesman to my kingsman. John Burke from Burke Reviews. What's up, Matt? Not too much, man. Uh, had a lovely weekend. Um, been catching up with all the new films. Haven't had such a good time at the cinema recently because a lot of the films have been a bit... Uh, haven't been very good, but I'm looking forward to talking about that on the bloody awesome movie podcast in a few weeks. How about yourself? I hear you've had a few um, u- uh, urinal mishaps this week. Oh, yeah, actually, it wasn't a urinal. It was uh, I used the urinal as a, an analogy because I think that's the staple. But I, I feel the same way. Like if I am, if there are six, uh, what's a? I can't even think what it's called now. My brain just went completely dead. Uh, treadmills next to each other. And I'm the only one on one, and I've purposely taken an outside treadmill. In my head, if you're the next person to get on a treadmill, you don't go to the one adjacent to me. You, you at least space. you leave a space. And the dude yesterday got right next to me, despite there being five other ones completely empty, <laughs> um, and just is like wearing so much cologne. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm breathing heavy because I'm I'm on the treadmill, so it's like just inhaling cologne, and I'm just like, dude. Why? Like, why on earth is that necessary? But was it a nice cologne, or it, it wasn't bad, but it was a little overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't want it whilst you're gasping for air. No, exactly. Yes, exactly. You can almost taste the cologne, and that's not something mm. I want. Um, yeah, it's not. It's like it's a it's a respect thing to me. Like, it's a boundary thing. Like, you know, I don't. We're not going to have a conversation, and he didn't attempt to. Like, it wasn't like he got up there trying to make friends. Um, you know, I wear headphones when I'm at the gym on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I kind of want to just be left alone, but you know, so yeah. And of course with urinals, that's where like to me, the rule is the most important. If <laughs> there are that, three, that, you know, exactly. You have to take, you take the uh, side to side. If you, if there's a third one and the person waiting, he waits until somebody else goes to so that middle one always stays clean and free. But, um, let's, well, let's talk movie astrology for those who don't know. On this show, John and myself, we, we talk a randomly selected year in film. And of course, there's plenty going back, way back to the Golden Age. And we've been to the Golden Age a few times. And what we do is we discuss the top movies from the year, the notable releases that came out, for better or worse, the uh, award season's contenders and losers, the debut performers, and who was born and who sadly passed away in this year as well. So enough from this Kingsman. Statesman, my man, can you reveal what year we're talking about this episode, please? That's right, man. We're not traveling too far. Just about 14 years to 2005. The International Year for Sport and Physical Education, which ties into John's treadmill story, and but not yes. the urinal story. It was also the International Year of Microcredit, which Google tells me is a very small loan to impoverished borrowers, borrowers who typically lack collateral, steady employment, or a verifiable credit history. So, uh... Yeah, if you were down in the money dumps in 2005, microcredit. It was also the end of the international decade of the world's indigenous people. That's uh, so interesting. A couple of fun facts for you there. But before we get into the films, let's, uh, let's run down some of the major events from throughout the world in the year 2005. In history. Eris, the most massive known dwarf planet in the solar system, is discovered by a team led by Michael E. Brown using images originally taken on October 21st, 2003 at the Palomar Observatory. Deep Impact, not the film, is launched from Cape Canaveral with the purpose of studying the comet Temple One. That's Florida. 
uh, George W. Bush is inaugurated for a second term as President of the United States. Uh, on April the 2nd, John Paul II dies. Over 4 million people travel to the Vatican to mourn him. Pope Benedict XVI succeeds him on April the 19th and becomes the 265th Pope. Charles, Prince of Wales, marries Camilla Parker Bowles in a civil ceremony at Windsor's Guildhall. Camilla receives the title Duchess of Cornwall. Uh, the first ever YouTube video, this is cool, is uploaded wow. on April the 23rd, titled Me at the Zoo. I bet you that one's exciting. Now we have to look that up to see it. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, Live 8, a set of 10 simultaneous concerts, takes place throughout the world on July 2nd, raising interest in the Make Poverty History campaign. Why is it called Live 8 if there are 10? I'm so That's confused. really going to... That's going to damage my OCD now. That's done with now. Uh, On July the 7th, four coordinated suicide bombers hit central London. I remember this very well. Killing 52 and injuring over 700. The Provisional Irish Republican Army, the IRA, announces an end to the armed campaign it has pursued since 1969 and orders all its units to drop their arms. Uh, The 7.6M Kashmir earthquake strikes Azid Kashmir. Pakistan and nearby areas with, oh wow, with a maximum Macaulay intensity of 8, which is severe, killing more than 86,000 people and wow. displacing millions more. The trial of Saddam Hussein begins. Andrew Stimson, a 25-year-old Scottish man, is reported as the first person proven to be have been cured of HIV. Hmm. Angela Merkel assumes office as the first female Chancellor of Germany. Uh, Johnny Carson, Rosa Parks, George Best, Eddie Guerrero, Hunter S. Thompson and Jim Capaldi all pass away this year. So uh, always have to wind on the legends that left us. But uh, me at the zoo, do you know what? Um, Pacific time, it was uploaded April the 23rd, 2005 at 27 minutes past 8 in the evening and 12 seconds. It's currently got 71.1 million views. Uh, The usual mix there of pretty cool news and... Yeah, pretty quite, quite sad news, really, as well. Another mixed year in terms of the events. But let's talk films, movie time. Before we find out whether 2005 was an altogether good, bad, or pretty middling year in film, let's kick off with this. Top 10. We're going to look at the top 10 films of 2005. Yes, we are. And we're going to run down from 10 to 4. We're going to give you the title and the worldwide gross, and then we're going to give speak a little bit more about the three, two, one as well. So number ten in two thousand and five for world, uh, t- based on worldwide gross was Hitch, which made three hundred sixty-eight point one million worldwide. And then number nine, Batman Begins, three hundred seventy-five million dollars worldwide, and beginning the Nolan trilogy. Yes, number eight, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, four hundred seventy-five million worldwide. Number seven, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, $478 million worldwide. Number six, Madagascar. It's always an animated film recently, and that made $532.7 million. Number five, we get King Kong with $550 million worldwide. Number four, uh, rounding off our 10 to 4, was War of the Worlds. Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, $591.7 million bucks worldwide, so... Interesting looking 10 to 4. What's standing out for you there? Well, let me tell you about Hitch, man. <laughs> uh, one, 
I've I've spoken about this on Bloody Awesome because I compared Aladdin, I think, uh, yes, to Hitch too. But Hitch, I saw on accident at a hotel on pay per view, um, and by accident, poor man, I. I uh, it rains a lot here in Florida. My wife and I were staying at a hotel in Orlando. We were going, um, we we're just like a little mini vacation. Know, what are you trying to be? What are you trying to watch instead? Well, so it wasn't so much the watching <laughs> that was an accident. It was an accident that led to me watching it. So okay. I, it's raining real hard. And I, I dropped my wife off at the, the lobby, you know, like under the awning. And then I go park the car and I mm-hmm. go to run to her, like to get out of the rain kind of thing. And this hotel had sidewalks that were painted. So I slip like I like straight up, you know, movie style, like slide. I don't fall. So I stop for a second. I'm like, okay, I'm okay. And I start to run again. And that was the mistake. I slip and I fall down pretty hard. I sit up and I think I'm okay. And I'm like, everything's kind of like dizzy. And I like lay back down for a second and I force myself to get up. You know, I'm walking past my wife and she's panicked. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. And after I walk past her, she's like, you're bleeding. I'm like, what? Touch the back of my head, and I am like I've busted the back of my head open. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I we're supposed to be going to see Chevelle, um, Taproot, and Thirty Seconds to Mars later that evening, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like not go- I'm not going to the doctor. And um, a this is before I'm a teacher, but a high school principal is there like on a conference, volunteers to check out my head for me because he's like first aid trained. Checks out my head, says it looks like it's okay. You know, if it doesn't stop bleeding, you'll need to go to a doctor. If you you might have a concussion because you slammed on the ground pretty hard. So if you start feeling nauseous or whatever, you know, be be sure to go to the hospital. The hotel, as compensation for me busting my head open, offers me free pay-per-view. Which is not bad at all. Which I I honestly should have sued the hotel and probably would have owned (laughs) a branch of hotel whose name I will not say, but I didn't. Uh, but nonetheless, what I got out of busting my head open was to watch Hitch, um, which I think made me feel <laughs> I, more I sick. The, yeah, I take concussion. Yeah, I think it made me more sick than cracking my skull open. So um, that was that was the story. And I still went to the concert though. First time I saw Jared Leto in person. Um, that is that's a rock and roll way to end the night. I like the idea of getting free pay per view because you never know, like like Forrest Gump, you never know what you're going to get. You might get True. something. Well, you shouldn't be watching. Or you might get something which is brilliant. Or you might get hitched. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really write notes for this show, but um, in terms of what I think about the films, because I've generally seen them. The only, the, but I have written one bullet point about Hitch. And I, I, I swear to you all, it's the only bullet point I've written about any of these films. And it just says, not very good. Agreed. So, just, just, just so I didn't have to remind myself, Hitch is not very good. It's obviously that Will Smith machine and Eva Mendes, but, and, and Kevin James, Mr. Funny himself. <sighs> But um, the fact they made three hundred sixty-eight million is uh, awful. Well, and especially <laughs> when, though, when you look, it only made seventy in America. So, it oh no, did. I'm sorry, that's budget. I, I, we used to have domestic on here. Uh, the budget was really small, yeah. which makes sense. So, you know, I can't believe it's on the top ten for that year, man. I would never, if you had asked me to guess, Hitch would not even have crossed my mind as a possibility. Especially when we look at some of the notable releases that came out. In, I'd in the love same to know what was the eleventh biggest film of the year and the difference in in worldwide growth to see if it was a you know a fairly wide chasm or if it was only a few million each because I mean from ten to nine when we get to Batman, whew, there's only like seven million bucks in it. Uh, so you know in terms of the worldwide yeah. uh, interest, Hitch was only seven million dollars behind and which is nothing in cinematically for the size of these films. But um, Hitch can Hitch can do one. 
in terms of the other films, before we get on to that sort of big elephant in the room, number nine there, I I enjoyed, um, I thought Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was, was all right. I thought it was enjoyable enough. I, Johnny Depp's better than, I think Johnny Depp's better than most give him credit for in this film. I, uh, Obviously, you're always going to be compared to Gene Wilder. Yeah. When, or something like that. But I don't think he's actually that bad. No. Some of the CGI is a bit iffy. Yeah. Well, the budget of this film, which was 150 million, but uh, I thought it was a nice reimagining for Charlie. The yeah, I like that it 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 pays a little bit of homage to the original, but it does its own thing at the same time. Yeah. Um, I I do I think Johnny Depp's character is hilarious in that movie. Um, I I am a, I'm not gonna lie, I like that movie. I I'm not saying I I love the original. The original is far superior, mm-hmm. but I like what uh, he's doing. I quote this movie way too frequently because i love the the cannibal <laughs> joke um when he's like everything in this room is edible yeah. including me but that's cannibalism and that's frowned upon in some cultures i love that line i think and he delivers it so quirkily um yeah i i, I do like that film uh despite its general dis- actually it didn't do too bad with critics 82 critics or, seem to yeah it. um it seems like it's got a a like it's decrease in popularity over time because if you hear people talk about it now it's usually uh disdainfully um but you're looking at it when it came out it got a pretty decent reception 72 metascore that's pretty high for that movie yeah now it gets seems to be yeah like you say frowned upon somewhat people i speak to uh, if it ever comes up oh that 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 version it's not actually that it's not the greatest film in the world oh yeah it's a good it's a good fake last time i saw it was a christmas last year Christmas 2018, it was an ITV over here. And I sat down, and I watched it, and I enjoyed yeah, it. I like it every time. And the youngsters sitting down as well, when they seem to enjoy it as well. So that, And that's what it's, that's the mark of a film like that, is if you can have young children watching and actually, you know, pay, focusing, that to me is a sign that is, you know, it's doing its job. I mean, some of the stuff is super weird. Like, the whole Christopher Lee, like, daddy subplot is so the crazy. But <laughs> the dentist. I forgot he was in it. Yeah. Until I saw him in the film, yeah. So until I saw him, obviously, yeah, portraying the dentist dude, but or his father, but I, I completely forgot he was in it. Easy to do so. He is a weird side story. Yeah, I mean, what else we got? Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I thought, I thought that was okay. Yeah, I'll just, it's um, fine. Brangelina, good old Brangelina. Decent action scenes. Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not big on the Madagascar scenes, to be honest. I think. I think they're okay, this first one, but it's a bit like Ice Age. I'm not really that big best, on them, despite the box office telling me I was. Best two things about Madagascar are King Julian and the Penguins, which they're actually I love penguins. They're better on the... They had a Nickelodeon TV series, um, which my daughter was young enough to like watch, but I was like secretly excited about it, and I loved the Penguins TV series. <laughs> I didn't see... They did a movie, and I didn't see that. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen the last two Madagascar films. I think there's three, right? Um yeah, yeah, I've only yeah. seen the first one, and it, it, like you said, it's fine. Um, I don't love it. I don't hate it, uh, but I do love the penguins that come out of it. And King Julian is awesome. Um, which Sasha Baron Cohen, I forgot he was uh, King Julian, but um, yeah, it's it's not obviously it's a it's a big one for DreamWorks. I would say it's probably like uh, aside from Shrek, it's like their staple. But yeah, I'd go along. With um, but yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of it, and it, anything where. I'm a huge fan of Friends, which I don't know if that's come up on this podcast or not, but I know way too much about Friends. But I am not. It's come up on most yeah, of our podcasts. Friends I think. is it's <laughs> too embedded in who I am as a person. Um, 
but David Schwimmer is not a person who I'm a big fan of despite that. And so like <laughs> the fact that he is one of the leads in the film is always kind of like, Oh yeah, God, what is he doing? Um, yeah, Ross is in it. Yeah. Ross is in it. Uh, I forgot Jada Pinkett Smith was the hippo. Um, he's got a fairly decent looking voice cast in there. Oh, so, yeah. um, but again, it's a decent enough film, but again, it, it, it goes to show the power or the lure of animated films, when this can be number six. And again, I say, I don't mean that disparagingly against it when I say this, but when Madagascar can be number six, raking in over half a billion worldwide, I mean, the reviews, the percentages weren't exactly glowing Mm. for this film. 54%, 57 Metacritic, uh, 54 Rotten Tomato. It's not, you know, it's 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 been going on for a long time that the fans seem to like one thing and the uh, critics don't. But in terms of the box office, people rushed out to see it. But, um... Next film on the list, I King Kong, three hours twenty one minutes long, and people were saying about Endgame, people aren't going to go and see a film that's three hours and like two minutes long. Ugh. But I mean, King Kong's three hours twenty one million, and I, compared to Endgame, it made peanuts. Uh, King Kong peanuts five hundred fifty million, but for, I mean for inflation, that's going to go up a little bit now. But three hours twenty one minutes, but obviously that's a it's a Peter Jackson vehicle. Yeah, Naomi Watts, Jack Black, Adrian Brody, will you start with your leadiness? Um, it's it's better than I remember it being. the The visuals are decent, and I heard the complaint that it takes its time. It's slow getting to where it needs to be. And I'm telling you now, twenty year old me, or however old I was then, twenty one year old, thought just that. I thought bloody hell, get going. But rewatching it since, because I have rewatched it since, um, I've appreciated the fact that it takes its time to get to where it needs to be. But it's still three hours, 21 minutes long. It, for me, though, it is Peter Jackson on good form. We've spoken about this. This I think we this is where the world started to dry up slightly for Peter. Yeah. Not his talent, but you know his success in terms of bringing the bucks in. 84% Rotten Tomatoes and 81 Metacritic. I don't remember people actually enjoying this film as much as they the figures would tell me back then. But I have since seen King Kong and... It is a decent film. I quite enjoyed King Kong, but I'm not in a rush for to watch spend three hours, 21 minutes of my time. Yeah, and I've never seen it, and that's mainly a big part of it. I also, like, you know, I've seen the original, and uh, I'm good. Um, not in a negative way. And I like I like Kong Skull Island, actually, uh, which a lot of people didn't, but I, John C. Riley won me over. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to watching it. I've seen, like, parts of it. I've seen scenes of it. I just like three hours and twenty minutes. I'm just like I. I don't think I care enough to sit through that. So it's a long old. It's a long old. It's a good film, but it. It's if you're not into it, it's a long old slog. Yep. I, I and then uh, War of the Worlds, man. I just listened to uh, the Blank Check episode about War of the Worlds because I'm going back through a lot of their uh, their old mini episodes and they're doing Spielberg the DreamWorks years, um, and. I, I saw War of the Worlds a few years ago for the first time. I'd skipped it in theaters, and I kind of ri- wrote it off as just like a cheesy... I, I think I was at that phase where I was not a big Tom Cruise fan, and that was right about the time when he starts the Katie Holmes stuff, uh, you know, and he jumps on the couch. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so <laughs> I was not on a Tom Cruise kick, and uh, I skipped it in theaters, but I went back to it a few years ago, and it was it was way better than I expected. I didn't realize that it had like positive critical reception, and I didn't realize it was a box office success because I don't think anyone I knew went and saw it. Like, and I I was a regular theater goer. When all of my friends and I we skipped it um, when mm-hmm. it was in theaters, but uh, like I made it and saw Batman Begins that year. But 
Um, and obviously some of the other stuff we're going to get to in the, the top three, I've, we saw at least one of those in the theater. Um, but uh, in fact, I think I saw Charlie and Chocolate Factory in the theater because um, we went with uh, Corey, who I do movie club podcast before she moved to Idaho. Um, we went and saw Charlie and Chocolate Factory. That was like one of the first years I knew her, in fact, because I'd only been with my wife for one year uh, when Charlie and Chocolate Factory came out. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, it looking back long. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a uh, December release, if I remember correctly. I feel like it was Christmas time when we saw it. it yeah, I think um, it was. and so my wife and I had been together for just about a year. Um, it was not my wife then, and uh, she, one of her employees, was Corey. And so Corey and her now husband, uh, we all went like on a double date and saw Charlie Chocolate Factory and. Um, that was like one of the first times Corey and I agreed on anything. <laughs> we, uh, Corey and I, when we first met, we did not get along a lot. Like I found her taste in everything, not the same as mine. And so we, we butted heads a lot in those early years. Disagree. And now we've become very good friends and we like a lot of the same stuff. It's funny how time changes things, but, um, you know, we, we've been doing movie club for three years now. So, uh, wow. but, um, uh, otherwise like i didn't see a lot of these in the theater uh you know like i said i just told you how i saw hitch it was dazed in a hotel room uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dazed and bloody yeah, um, probably the only way to watch hitch. and i i don't think i saw madagascar because my daughter was only a year old here um so i wouldn't see madagascar until she got a little older and we would watch it on dvd or whatever so um i think i saw nine eighty percent uh, 70% to actually be precise of the top 10 which is 7 I didn't see Hitch in cinemas I didn't see Madagascar in cinemas uh, in cinema sorry and there was another one which I didn't see in cinema which we're going to speak about shortly but um, I think I saw all the other ones in cinema but um, cinema I'm going to say theatre because it sounds less cinema um, the, I was surprised you didn't see War of the Worlds in cinema because theatre <laughs> because that's, that was one of the bigger releases of, yeah. of the year I think, I think. It's a it was and Tom my Cruise. first year being um, a dad too so yeah. I think maybe that was like you know okay, didn't yeah. have to fit that into my life as much um, yes I can see yeah that. I, I hadn't thought about that until now but yeah because I, I did make I definitely saw Batman Begins um, and I'm I, I don't remember did Live Free and Die Hard come out this year, or was that... I might have saw that with Dark Knight. Uh, a Die Hard film came out, I think. Because yeah, that may have been Live Free and Die Hard. I, I know I saw a Batman movie and that Die Hard movie on the same day, uh, one year, Like, but I think it might have been Dark Knight that those two came out the same year. Because I don't see Live Free or Die Hard on our other list. So, yeah, just, you know, reminiscing on our viewing of these films, but not to, not to linger... Um, I yeah, that's the best thing about films is that you can, it takes you back to takes you back to some of the halcyon yeah. days. But I saw War of the Worlds in cinemas. Part of the reason was the original War of the Worlds story by H.G. Wells, the one that scared the United yeah. States to death in yeah, the 40s. Wells, right. That was set in Horsell Common, uh, five minutes away from where I was born and raised, like the Fresh Prince, uh, back home in Woking. Um, so that's what we are. One of our most famous claims to fame in Woking is H.G. Wells and War of the Worlds was set in the woodland, right where I was born, right right around the corner from my house. In the town centre, there's a, there's a full-size Martian tripod to kind of commemorate this. And H.G. Wells has his name all, all, all over the town, uh, which is mm. which is pretty cool. And there was talk that Spielberg was actually going to film some scenes there. Oh. Uh, so it was in the, it were people going mad and that they might be doing extra work. And there's me thinking, oh, I'm going to be in the films. But um, then he decided to take it to Hollywood and change everything. But um, it's actually pretty good. The scenes of yeah. the Martians disintegrating people is quite, quite brutal. I, what I will say, for, I reckon the first third of the film it's like breakneck furiously paced 
And I think then that opening third, like to half an hour, 45 minutes, Steven Spielberg basically says, right, I've been off colour a little while. You're, I'm going to let the audience just have it. I'm just going to throw everything at them. And I think that's actually where it's best. I think it falters as it goes on. Um, there's a lot of Spielberg's signature yeah. kind of um, motifs in there as well. But I didn't think it was the most fun of movies. Mm. But it's still a it's still a decent blockbuster. Well, it's one which the, the, I'm not. I don't rush back to watch, but I enjoy it. If when you I get watch a it. chance, to, I, I've been raving about this Blank Check podcast, and I can't I can't stop talking about. It. I think it's like one of the best movie podcasts that is out there. Um, and uh, their episode for War of the Worlds, I, I, I'm giving them credits. I don't want to like I agree with them, but it, they did say it, mm-hmm. but publicly before I did. Um, but Justin Chatwin is probably the biggest mistake of that movie. He's not a good actor, and his character, it, whether it's his fault or it's the writing, the character makes like zero sense with some of the stuff he does, especially when he goes off into the like the military. Uh, it's like what what's happening? Why? Um, but it is uh, it's it's a really solid film for like the first two thirds, especially because it's very like survival. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and it's and Tom Cruise maybe isn't the right person for that movie because he is uh more of an action hero and that's not what the character calls for in this movie like he's not supposed to be um you know this guy who normally because we think of Cruz as like the guy who's going to get through it and the guy in the movie is supposed to be like i don't know if he's gonna get through it um honestly well he's he's good oh yeah 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 tom Cruise is one of those people where when he fits the role he's incredible in it like um uh, um, a Mission yeah, Impossible. Ethan Hunt is... he, when he he fits Ethan Asset, he fits that role. But yeah, yeah I, I, I can see I mean, what you mean about th- this. Take for a second though. Put like I'm going to throw a, a name that I'm just always going to support. But if Michael Shannon's the dad in that movie, you yeah. get like the Take Shelter or the uh, Midnight Special type Michael Shannon, where it's like you know a lot of internal, a lot of you know I'm going to protect my kid at all costs. But at the same time, I I'm lost, and I mean he's. I think Shannon would have been an amazing. Uh, he wasn't big enough then. He's still not technically big enough now. But yeah. I think at this point he's got the reputation within the directors though that he's like the best actor. And um, I just think, man, the the atmosphere he would have brought to that role, dude, would have been amazing. Oh, well, that's a that's a huge great shout out. I guess putting Tom Cruise in the film isn't a spoiler within itself. But I mean, if you'd have if you'd have if you had Sean Bean in the lead role, you mm-hmm. know where you know where his character's going. He's going straight six feet under, but. I guess having Tom Cruise as the hero, it does kind of take away immediately twenty-five to forty percent of like that fear factor because you can't see Tom Cruise biting the dust many times in many of his no, films. And it, um, whereas someone like Michael Shannon, not to say he's disposable, but he's got—he's not the name. He's, he's certainly got the chops. Michael Shannon's a marvelous oh, yeah. actor, but yeah, he's the sort of person where you, you you don't know for sure whether. They're gonna, you know, off him because he hasn't got the reputation of Cruz, who probably behind the scenes was <laughs> changing the story to make sure he was fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Cruz, actually, from what uh, the blank check guys are really good at context, like setting up like how the movie got made to begin with. And Cruz came to Spielberg with the script because his uh, production, co- I don't know if it's production company or whatever, but they had uh, got the rights to the the story, and so they came mm-hmm. with the the idea. So Cruz wanted to be in this movie. So, so <laughs> here's his film. Here's this film that I wrote and I'm starring in, yeah. Stephen. 
Can imagine going up to Steven Spielberg and just be like, right, here's my film and I'm in it. Yeah, well, it's, it's post. So, I suppose if anyone can. It's post Minority Report. They've worked together. They want to work together again. Yeah, that's um, true. And yeah, like, that's the blank check. I'm telling you, man, like, as because you're nerdy with movies like I am, where, like, I like knowing all those little yes. details. I think you get so yes. hooked. And again, they've done um, many, many series on. They're currently doing Michael Mann. They just finished Tim Burton. Uh, they've done Christopher Nolan. Um, they're doing, like I said, the DreamWorks years of Spielberg. They did um, James Cameron. Uh, Cameron Crowe, which was an interesting one because uh, their review of Elizabethtown is so freaking funny. Um, did they cover me at the zoo by Cameron They did. Crow? They did. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it it's it's such a and you can you know that you can go back they, all of the catalogs available from what I've seen. Um, they actually started off as a Star Wars podcast. I've not listened to any of their Star Wars stuff because I think even as big of a Star Wars nerd as I am, I think they might go deeper than I'm willing to go uh, with, like, say, there's, like, a whole... I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I know my friend here who does a Star Wars <laughs> podcast, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Blank Check uh, with Griffin and David. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, the Amazon series The Tick, but uh, Griffin Newman... I have not, I know of it, but I haven't seen I'm a big seen fan it. of it. They did just cancel it after two seasons, which I think is a mistake. But uh, Griffin Newman was Arthur on that series um, as well, and he's one of the, the two podcasters. So, um, yeah. I'll check it out tonight then, and I will actually do it because I'm always looking for new movie podcasts which aren't quite so specialised as to be about one thing. So I'll, I'll check that out. Um, uh, also, just shout out young Dakota Fanning in that yes. film, a young teenage Dakota Fanning as well, which is Good a, performance. the start of her rise. Now, we haven't said anything about Batman Begins really, right? We haven't, so no, we haven't. So I, uh, I thought that would be the elephant in the room because we've probably got what we've got a, a fairly moderate Batman fan yeah. on the on the on yeah. the show tonight with me. His name's John Book. So I thought I'd leave Batman till the of end. Of the yeah. seven so, movies, uh, here you go. Like that we just referenced, by far, I think it's the best film on this list. Um, it it changes the superhero genre, arguably for the worse, especially from Warner Brothers kind of perspective. Yeah, um, see Warner yeah, because yeah. they don't seem to get like they're just like, oh, people like dark and gritty. It's like, no, no, Batman is dark and gritty. Please understand what you're dealing with. Um, and it has Christopher Nolan's touch to yes. it, which not to put him on the pedestal too much too soon, but he has a way of crafting his films. He, you know, you know a Nolan film when you see it, and you can't. You can't really replicate that all too easily. Well, and Nolan likes to bring like older actors into these movies. Uh, Rucker Hauer here because mm-hmm. he was a fan of Blade Runner. That's a frequent yep. film that Nolan references. And uh, there's Rucker Hauer shows up. Um, you get uh, Nolan um, in Dark Knight. I didn't ever realize how much Dark Knight is essentially Batman Heat. It's very Michael Mann yeah, influenced. Yeah. Um, I think I referenced that a few times, but that's one of the big comparisons that that film got and i guess until you see him which i had not until last week <laughs> yeah and now you see it you think i can see where it comes from oh, yeah. before beforehand I, I i had seen heat and i rewatched it after the dark knight and then you, you, you then you think ah i get it now and looking at like the the rt score it's one of the highest that year 84 is the it's tied for second um has a 70 metacritic uh i'm sorry yeah 70 metacritic which is a little low actually um Somehow, Charlie and Chocolate Factory has a higher meta score uh, than Batman Begins. <laughs> um, but the IMDb well, considering score. what came before Batman Begins in terms of the Batman franchise, that's yeah, Batman good. and Robin definitely had left a, a bad taste in our mouth. Yeah. Nolan reboots Batman and and then uh, gives us 
the ultimate Batman. I, I do love, I have a soft spot in my heart for, for Keaton's Batman and 1989's Batman specifically. Mm-hmm. Batman yeah. Returns, I am not a fan of because I can't get past how gross the Penguin is. Just um, yeah. But uh, I've not rewatched it as an adult, but I've, I've had like a nightmarish fear of that film since I was a kid. I, like, I, I just, have, and I felt dirty watching it and not in a good way. Yeah, part. I can't get past it, dude, because it's just not my Penguin. Um, and I would love to see a, a, a more comic book driven uh, penguin in a a batman movie if they do it right but um batman begins starts a an amazing chain uh it's ruined i think i think the trilogy's ruined with the third movie to a degree i don't think it's the movie that nolan was going to do uh, no, and it's not the best trilogy. Ending. Yeah, it, it is a very weak ending to the trilogy, but I lo- I think it is a very strong beginning. Um, I love that. Yeah, it has its moments, yeah. but yeah, yeah there's stuff in Dark Knight Rises for sure that's really cool. That the the plane heist is awesome, and even that's an awesome. Yeah, beginning. and the the motorcycle like getaway after he like does the whole thing at the stock exchange is like crazy. Um, I just like Bane in yeah. that film. I think Tom Hardy's yeah. Bane is excellent. It's it's really the Talia Ghoul stuff that gets Bane. a little whatever like it's got they cram a lot of stuff into that movie but batman begins considering we get ra's al ghul in this film and how well he's handled well i mentioned yeah i mentioned how i um i saw this in the theater but i almost didn't like i was so like at this point (gasps) i'd kind of been like batman movies are 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 trash now you know batman and robin was the end i don't know who christopher nolan is because i hadn't seen memento yet i hadn't seen insomnia i had not seen um there's one more I think I'm missing here. No, those are the two big ones that would have come out. Other than is that first um, film, we the did, which following, I can't remember the following, called. which uh, yeah. I did see, but not for years later. Um, and an interesting fact, it was apparently a coincidence because Nolan did not like seek out the Batman properties. It was just offered to him. But in the following, the main character has a Batman sticker on his front door. And I was I thought that was really <laughs> cool. But from what I know from uh, Blank Check, guys, it doesn't sound like that was the case. But um I, I really do love the Nolan movies. Um, I, I like his take on the character. I like Bale as Batman. Um, I love Michael Caine as Alfred, to be completely honest. I think he's great. Yeah. And I, I honestly he think fits. the unsung best part of the Batman trilogy is Oldman as uh, Commissioner Gordon. I love his take <laughs> on Gordon so much. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I you know I think using Scarecrow was really cool because that was not something I expected yes. to see. Um, in a Batman movie, like, you know, cause he, I was, I grew up with the comics, but I, I guess I didn't like, I always was really connected to the 66 villains, you know, like, so you, the Joker, the Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, those were the big four mm-hmm. from the 66 TV series with Adam West. Um, so I wasn't as familiar with Scarecrow until the animated series came out in the nineties. Uh, so I never really anticipated, I never thought of the Scarecrow as like a big Batman villain. Um, growing up so seeing him in the movie was like kind of an eye-opener like oh wait I've, i always discounted this guy as kind of a a lame throwaway villain but man cillian murphy crushes it so yeah big i'm a big fan of the the trilogy and specifically the first two um so it's cool seeing it on the list and talking about it and remember it, it's hard to believe it's been 14 years since it came out no because if because the dark knight probably rightly takes the plaudits in this trilogy but people seem to forget how well it was set up with batman begins i, I was I, I john is you know bookman he's, he's he's batman to me but i i too was just totally put off by the schumacher films and 
those horrible campy 90 films, uh, 90s Batman films you've got. And I wasn't bothered by Batman Begins, but I had seen Memento. I'd seen it in film studies a few years hmm. before. So when I kind of heard that Nolan was doing it, I was like, the guy who made the Backwards film, um, or the film with the guy with stuff all over his body, that could, but that could be quite interesting. Christian Bale, the dude from American Psycho, he's playing Batman. Okay, cool. Qui-Gon Jinn's going to be in this as well. Wicked. Um, and that got me excited. The trailer worked for me as well. But I, So I went to see it when it came out, and it's such a good film. And I love, and I love the fact that they really take their time with this film. Yeah, it's a, it's a, such a nice slow burning look at Bruce and the origin of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like the scenes where he's training, yeah, are just so good. And like the quiet contemplative moments when they're sitting on the ice is just when um when uh, Christian Bale and Liam Neeson together. It's just so good. But it's just two guys talking. It just it's not what you think of. Uh, to be Batman Begins is not what I think of when you think of the you know, sort of the big bombastic superhero films you get now. Batman Begins, I think Batman Begins is, you know, it eclipses the majority of films released in the last ten years, uh, superhero films, because I think it's that good. Uh, I thought Ra's al Ghul was great. I thought the twist in this film was excellent. I did not see it come in. Hans Zimmer, another great Hans Zimmer score. I, I agree with you on Scarecrow. I think he's a good villain. He's a different mm-hmm. villain. And I like how he kind of reprises his role later on in the films. But And Gotham City as well. It's that G word I hate, but it's gritty. Yeah. And it's grounded. But it's just, it's not what I expected when I went to see it. Uh, I thought Christian Bale was great. And yeah, Gary, Michael Caine, for the most part, is, is excellent in whatever he does. Gary Oldman is, Gary Oldman is wonderful. Um, again, it's two marvellous... British, who actually got a heck of a lot of British actors. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Irish. Gary Oldman, um, Killian Murphy is, is Irish. Tom Wilkinson, I like Tom Wilkinson as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Watanabe, we speak about, spoke about him quite a lot in the last few months. But it's just, it's got a great cast. And it, for me, it has what a franchise strives for. In that it has that kind of holy group. Bale, Caine, Oldman and Freeman together in all the films just make for such an awesome um you know top billing cast and we if, uh, the dark knight gets all the plaudits because of heath ledger's momentous performance which still i think about daily but the people i think people forget just how good batman begins was and they found like, out the final showdown at the end as well is fabulous it's brilliant but yeah it, it was a return to form for this character yeah i agree with what you're saying about warner brothers and dc how it kind of almost sort of derailed them going forward it was the start of the decline which only just starting to come back from but man i i I really want to go back and rewatch batman begins because i think this is a lot better than i don't say people give credit for because i think it's universally accepted to be a good film but i think it's a lot better and i might may catch flack here but i think it's a lot better than a lot of the superhero films we've got in the last 10 years for me anyway it's a better certainly a better film yeah if yeah. it's not as big and out there i think it's a heck of a lot better film than what we've really and that's marvel dc sony fox whatever well and that's like nolan's never really trying to make a superhero genre film like mm-hmm. he's making a film with a superhero in it and you yeah. know that it's different totally. I mean, just the look of the film, you know, it's got it dark and, and it's dark with the right reasons. It's, it's a crime movie, you know, it's a, 
Well, I think Dark Knight is a much more obvious Michael Mann movie. It's still Batman Begins pulls a Michael Mann style. You know, when you think of like the the lighting and the scenes, it's got a noir kind it's of a vibe noir to it. feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not that Michael Mann is noir necessarily, but he definitely pulls from that that genre as well because um, he loves the true crime. He likes to get the true stories and and you know turn them on their head and uses real jargon and stuff and. Um, I'm I'm new to Michael Mann, I've, I, but I've just like been binging him because of Blink Check. But you know, I, I watch Manhunter, I watch Thief, um, the Heat, and I just watched The Insider. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guy's you know a, a talent that I somehow just had slept on, you know, and now I'm finally getting into. And you see that influence uh, with Nolan, especially in the Batman movies, which makes perfect sense because that is the Batman. Batman was supposed to be the world's greatest detective which we've not seen on film um and even in nolan's films you don't really see him being a detective he just yells at people to get information you know um it's always brute force and not not really the the brains that we know batman to have um i am hoping that uh i'm gonna forget his name but the the batman with now robert pattinson in the role i hope we're gonna get the the rumor is we're gonna get the detective um i hope that's what we get I'd love to see it. Apparently, it's all going to be full on, full on detective Batman. Apparently, yeah, I, I'm all for that. Like, I he does need to fight at some point, but it should be like last resort, not not his main method of getting content because he's intelligent. You know, um, he doesn't. Yeah, and, he's not a superhero. He's a yeah, he's, yeah, he's a and very smart billionaire. He's not going to go hand to hand every time. He's going to take you down quietly and just you know, like a ninja. Um, and you don't you see a little bit of that in Batman Begins, but he then ends mm-hmm. up going much more brute force, um, especially in Dark Knight. I feel like he really, really goes in uh, for the big action sequences. But um, some of the editing in this, the, the editing in the fight scenes of this Batman Begins is at times horrendous. Yeah, it's going Michael Bay level, but it does get then. But then you notice in the Dark Knight and uh, Rises that the editing for the action scenes, which is not um, Christopher Nolan's forte, the editing gets nope. better. And you can actually see what's going on, but they, yeah, because Batman is portrayed as this kind of street fighter almost in these films. Uh, I guess the editing also kind of goes along with that because it's so choppy and fast. It's very choppy that you kind of miss. And like I say, because it's quite dark as well, you kind of miss what's going on. I guess the purists could say, well, that's just to give across a sense of you know being there at the time and not knowing what's going on and where where's this force coming from. But well, I think part of it was uh, the suit too. Like I don't think he could move a lot, so I think they had it like. No, no, yeah. The, a they, lot of the shots are cut in. Reference, that, didn't they? In the Dark Knight, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a different suit. Um, and yeah, I think the character even references like I need to mm-hmm. be more mobile. Turn his head. Um. So yeah, I think th- you know there's a lot of factors, but Nolan hadn't done like a lot of action sequences. I mean, chase sequences mm-hmm. and Memento, but there's no real. Like fight, especially not an extended fight sequence, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, not like that. So yeah, but I, I definitely, I think of the seven that we've referenced, easily the best film in that list. Um, and honestly, it might be the best film on the whole list. I looking at the list, I I'm tending to side with you on this one. Actually, it, especially film wise, not just for the entertainment aspect, yeah, but. I think I may have to agree with you, but that may change in the coming in the coming moments. However, gotta say, I think the casting of Robert Pattinson for Batman is inspired. I think Robert Pattinson. We've spoken at length before yep. that Robert Pattinson just 
you know, drop the Twilight stuff, drop the crap, you know. Yeah. Robin Patterson is a grade A actor. Robert Pattinson is a fabulous, fa- and I'm and we've we've been saying this since we've been podcasting for the last year or so. But recently, there's been a lot more people saying that. Yeah, it's almost almost like the thing in thing to say, but it's true, and it's not just good time. It's things like the, re- the high life he released that recently, but that he's just a wonderful actor. I didn't like the Lost City of Z or Z, but he's the best thing in it. He's been. He's the speaking of Nolan. He's the lead in Nolan's uh, film yeah, coming out next I year. Know. So I'm very excited for that. This guy is the uh, tenet. I think it's called. This guy is the real deal. Obviously, when it comes to Batman, we don't know how he's going to be as Batman. But just to say, if you tell me Robert Pattinson's casted anything, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it because I really rate the guy that high. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm. You know, I was. The the only Batman that has been cast that I think was a hundred percent not the right casting was George Clooney. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Val Kilmer was a solid Bruce Wayne, uh, mm-hmm. even though maybe a little. I think maybe the character was written a little too stoically in that in Batman Forever. I love Keaton as Batman. I think it was a really interesting choice. Um, yeah, Noel uh, Bale is great. Maybe he goes a little too hard on the voice in the later movies. Um, what? But you know. I can't even get my voice out. I think Bale was maybe the best overall. Like I think because I think he pulls off Bruce Wayne, but I also think he he mm-hmm. crushes as Batman. And Affleck, who I was really nervous about, I didn't hate him in the suit. I didn't like what they did with him in the suit because they totally just like what's Batman? Never heard of it. Um, but I do think they give us the best <laughs> on screen fight sequence in Batman versus Superman when he goes to rescue Martha. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, that night, uh, but. You know, so so far they haven't done a horrible job either, either casting or the people who are cast have not been horrible. And I, Clooney didn't make sense for a lot of reasons, but also easily had the worst script uh, out of all the Batman movies. Yeah. And that's saying something. There's some actors you can't get past who they are. George Clooney, seeing George Clooney as Bruce Wayne, it's it just looks like George Clooney out on the town. Yep. Ben Affleck, I as when he was Bruce Wayne again, he's not. He was a decent Batman, but. Yeah. I couldn't get past the fact, and it sounds stupid, but I couldn't get past the fact that it was Ben Affleck as Batman. It's just something no. about him that's too recognisable. Whereas Robert Pattinson, I don't think I'm going to be stuck sold on the stuck on the fact that this is Robert Pattinson playing it because you know the guy has been able to transform himself in different roles. So um, that's true. I, and also, I think George Clooney got the job based on the fact that you know he was the in thing at the time. Yes, so, which isn't always the best way to cast your films. But I again, how he p- performs as the Batman as a whole, because obviously he's got to nail the Bruce Wayne. I think he's going to get the detective noir part just right. Are we going to see the smooth, charming, kind of James Bond-esque Bruce Wayne? Is he going to be able to pull that off? Is he going to be able to pull off the fighting scenes? What's he going to look like under the And are we going to finally get a Batman movie where they don't feel the need to give us an origin story? Because everybody... I've heard that they're not going to do that. I hope so. God, we don't need another freaking death sequence of the the Waynes. Like, we've seen it done. It's it's over. Just, Just mention it. When your parents were murdered in that alleyway, so obviously slightly better than that, but just 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 allude to it because I don't think there's anybody on the planet, unless you are obviously under the comic book reader age, who doesn't know Batman's origin story, mm-hmm. now, or which it can be explained. It can be explained in a in a in a short sentence of dialogue. Well, that's what they did so um, so perfectly it. with Homecoming for Spider Man. Like the yes. Uncle Ben story is well known. We do not need another origin story for Spider Man. Like let us, we get it, move on. 
Although they kind of did, yeah. you know, fill it back in with Tony Stark now, but you know, it's different. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. But um, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the Batman. Uh, I'm I hold I'm holding Batman Begins as the as the level it needs to hit because if there's going to be a few of these the Batman films, if it's going to be a trilogy, then let's compare. Let's not compare it to the Dark Knight or anything like. That. Let's compare it to Batman Begins, the start of the trilogy. Um, the, I agree. Let's uh, you ready to get into if the we're top gonna three? Compare. Yep. If we're going to compare, which isn't always fair, so yeah, let's talk top three and uh, take us away, Statesman. All right. So, number three, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, which would become a massive franchise of a series of... Oh, wait, no, that's right. The other ones do not do so well. Uh, The first one, (laughs) um, directed by Andrew Adamson, who I know nothing of, uh, stars William Mosley, Anna Popplewell... Oh, boy. Is that Skander? Oh, man. Skandar. That's a name, boy. George Henley... Tilda Swinton, James <laughs> McAvoy as a uh, a thorn, um, Jim Broadbent, Liam Neeson, uh, the voice of, seven hundred forty five million worldwide, seventy six RT, six point nine IMDb user score, and a seventy five Metacritic. Um, I didn't see this in theaters, but uh, I did finally see it, and I like the first one. Yeah, I, I agree. It's pretty decent. Yeah, and that's just it. It's it's pretty decent. It's kind of decent, right? Like it's not. I don't need to watch it again because it's kind of long, or at least I remember it feeling really long. Maybe it's not long. Yeah, but, it is quite long. Yeah, but you know, I I never read the books. I had no attachment going in. Um, you know, I I like it. Uh, there, it's obviously got a lot of you know religious parables built into it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a movie that happened in two thousand five. One of those films, yep. isn't it? Andrew Adamson is the man who directed pretty much every Shrek film as well. By the oh. way. He's literally done all of them, and I think he—I think he may have done the other Narnia films, but I know he did yeah, pretty much all of the Shrek films. I think. Well, I like I like. The and first in fact, two. that's more interesting than the film, I think. But I, I don't know. He's a decent. This, I think I don't know. What can I say? Uh, it's a slick film. Um, films like this can sometimes feel a bit too, a bit too stuffy based on their source material. Um, a bit too sort of. Uh, TV at times, but I think he does well to keep the story moving along. The CGI is fine for the most part. It it's not as it's only it's a fair comparison, but or an easy comparison, but it's not as big in scale as something like Lord of the Rings. It's another fantasy mm-hmm. epic. Uh, it hits its beats. The final battle surprisingly good. The kids are good. Yeah, Neeson, McAvoy, Swinton are good. Everything about it is good. I yeah. think without meaning to disparage anything about the film, it's just a good film. Yeah, it introduced me to the idea of um, a Turkish delight as well because I I'd never heard of that before. A Turkish delight is wonderful. I don't. I still don't think I've had one, but I'd never heard of it before. The, that kid's uh, obsession with them so much so that he's willing to sell out his family. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I'd sell out my family for a pop of <laughs> Turkish delight now. So if anyone's listening. Um, send them my way, please. Just send them to Matt from Essex, and they'll find their way to me. Sorry, Mum and Dad, but Turkish delight. Uh, yeah, get, get, try and get your hands on some. Yeah, I need to uh, give it a go. Um, but yeah, Chronicles Narnia. Uh, they do have two sequels. I don't think either one of them does anything. Um, I think I saw the second one, but I definitely didn't see the third one. Um, mm. I was surprised they kept the kids like in it because it's like they're spaced out quite a few years apart like movie wise like it's 
I like it when sagas do that, but I think we've mentioned before, as long as the kids grow up to be good actors. Which, uh, the one whose name I butchered has done nothing else, basically. Scandal. Um, so I guess he's not continuing the career after the third one from 2010. <laughs> he has no other acting credits. I don't know nothing about yeah, him. So... I don't know really anything about it. Which is all. not necessarily an insult. Maybe he didn't want to do it. You know, sometimes kids are forced into the roles or you try something and you're like, you know what? I made enough money. I'm good. Um, maybe he's a theater actor Maybe now. that could be a case. Or maybe, you know, acting's not for him. I don't remember the kids being bad, though. When I watched it, I thought they all did a solid job. I think they were quite good, I think. If I yeah, remember, I'm yeah. surprised that they they have not seemed to uh, really branch out from these movies. Um Anna Popperwell's a name. She, she's in some well, stuff. I don't know what I've seen her in, but... She's the only one who has uh, some, some substantial credits outside of the Narnia films, but still nothing like... Oh, okay. Nothing super recognizable, but stuff like I recognize the posters of and whatnot, but... Gotcha. Because number two uh, in the year 2005, and it was Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. It was then distributed by 20th Century Fox, directed by George Lucas, actually starring Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Hayden Christensen, Sam Jackson, Christopher Lee... And uh, Ian McDermott and the old heads, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Frank Oz. Uh, it made $848.8 million worldwide. Do you know what? It did well. And it was the uh, fans and critics. 80% Rotten Tomatoes, 68 okay, Metacritic. And 7.6 on IMDb. Take that for what you will. Um, I think this is generally accepted to be the most appreciated of the maligned prequel trilogy i love revenge of the sith and i say love as in the fact that i don't hold it as my top 20 of all time but i think it's a great fun film it's got a great opening salvo we got anakin and obi-wan in their spaceships over the battle of coruscant and then they've got a rescue palpatine from the coffin general grievous and like war of the worlds it starts in such a breakneck fashion breathless fashion that it's almost like george lucas saying you know the first two films in this trilogy okay I kind of apologise for. Here's 30 minutes of just balls to the wall action, uh, including everything you want to see in a Star Wars film. But um, because of those two films, George Lucas, I think, left himself with quite a lot of story to cram in. And he gets all of it in Revenge of the Sith, but it's not always done well. There were there were strands left, and he also really oddly retconned some of his own canon from the original films, which stand out. But... I mean, this is like a fan's wet dream at times. You get Yoda v. Palpatine, Anakin versus Obi-Wan, Order 66, the, the two Skywalkers, Luke and Leia, are born. John Williams' score is... I think this is a brilliant... He, what, one thing about the prequels, other than Ewan McGregor, which stands out, is John Williams' score, which is just brilliant, mm. I think. Uh, and at the time, this was actually the last of the Star Wars films. So we yeah. had uh, one, four, five, six, one, two, and this was it for, for all of them. So... It kind of went out at the time on a bittersweet high because it still wasn't the film that the fans wanted to see. Yeah. But you got it hit the beats that it needed to for the most part. And whilst Revenge of the Sith is not my favourite Star Wars film and it's not one of my favourite films of all time, maybe comparing it to the first two prequels, I think Revenge of the Sith is a is a damn good adventure, damn good fun film with a lot of flaws. I need to rewatch Revenge of the Sith. It has been I, it's not been that long. I watched it right before Force Awakens came out, but um mm-hmm. I definitely have watched the prequels far less than I've seen the original <laughs> trilogy and um man, I I just rewatched Last Jedi the other night. Uh I just had th- I threw it on in the background and I I know that movie's super controversial with the, among the fans. But I love 
Last Jedi, and I think Ryan Johnson is a genius, um, and everyone else is just not on his level. But um, uh, <laughs> it's his world. We just yeah, live in but it. you know, um, I, I man, I I know I saw it in the theater, and I can't even remember like when or who went with me. Um, I feel like maybe my cousin Nicholas went with me, and that's it's weird to me that I have such like I think I've really done a good job of blocking the prequels out of my mind as much as possible. Um, I don't remember for sure if it's my favorite of the three. Uh, my favorite element of the three is definitely Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. But I also – I love the Darth Maul fight in the first – in Phantom Menace. And I love yeah. the pod racing sequence even though I don't like young Anakin. Um, I do li- – like I like the idea of the pod racing. I think it's a really cool like Tatooine you know, gambling culture that we get to see. And um, – revenge of the sith like i remember parts but a lot of the stuff i remember i remember negatively um like uh you know anakin's the way he dies in the high ground which has become a meme you know so much of <laughs> so much of the prequels have become memes right like it, they it's the most memeable trilogy yeah like time. there's so many like laughable moments and jokey things and um hello there yeah jeez uh you know, Natalie Portman's really just starting to become a rep. Like, it's funny because now, like, we think of her as this, like, yeah. prestigious actress. And he's like, you, you were Padme. Um, these films almost, she said these films. She appreciates the films now. But at the time, she said she struggled to get gigs because of these films. And really, Black Swan was kind of down Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. He kind of rescued her yeah. almost because she really struggled to get credibility, which is... Looking back now is yeah, it's insane. so insane. I mean, think of like Annihilation from last year. Um, I mean, and then even going back to her beginning, man, Leon the Professional, Leon, she man, is yeah. so great in that movie, and she's like twelve. You know, like even V for Vendetta's not no bad. V for Vendetta is fantastic. Yeah, she's done some amazing stuff, and she, and she's not great in these movies, and she's not real great in that last sequence when she dies of a broken <laughs> freaking heart. You know, God. Oh. I blame Dang George it, for that. George. George, I worship the man, uh, but George. You know, he, he, the list of directors he almost got for these films would have been, you know, the, the Hollywood's A-listers, but I just wish somebody had taken a chance and said, George, you write this. Black Empire Strikes Back, you write this, George. I'm going to direct this for you and save you. Yeah, because, um, again, when you look at the best of the Star Wars films, especially pre-modern era, uh, Empire stood out far and wide as the best um i i still bliss it as my favorite but i force awakens and last jedi give it a run for its money um and again yeah rogue one yeah, man. you know rogue one didn't sit as well i don't dislike rogue one but i did not love rogue one um as much as some did uh partly because i didn't feel a connection to the characters that i i do for um the others uh like i i really connect with ray and i i, I actually connect with poe a lot i i i feel like poe what they've done with Poe is one of the most interesting things that we've seen in the Star Wars franchise because they've, de- especially what Ryan Johnson has done with Poe, because he deconstructs the hero mythology. Don't like, tell the fans. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love what Johnson did with Poe, and uh, it made me like Poe all the more. Um, and I feel like he's really becoming more of like a person that we should be looking up to versus the initial, like the, the Poe at the beginning of Last Jedi is the traditional Han Solo-esque hero guy who's gonna you know you rush in balls blazing and you don't care about the consequences and then the poe we get at the end is who we need in reality someone who's gonna lead not for glory but because it's the way 
you know, he wants the best for everybody, not for himself. And, um, uh, you know, but Empire is still my favorite overall. But, man, um, the the two modern ones, and I'm hoping J.J. nails it with nine, but uh, Revenge of the Sith. I've got a feeling... I've got a feeling you will, but I like Revenge of the Sith. It's I'm not going to sit here and say it's perfect because no. it isn't. And comparing it to the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones is, yeah, it's it, it, it's not almost not fair because whilst I enjoy those films, I'm not an although idiot. So, but, to put I, it like that. I will, um, but Revenge of the Sith. Is I will a lot say of fun. my favorite joke before the Last Jedi because I think Last Jedi has got some really funny stuff in it. Um, is from Attack of the Clones, which is uh, you do not want to sell me death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite little bits in uh, Star Wars lore. Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, man. He's 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 the guy. I do want that Obi-Wan solo him. film. Um, I'll take a Disney Plus 10 episode. I'll series, do that. Man. I'm in. As long as it's McGregor. I don't want some other... It was yeah. not McGregor. We yeah. riot. I don't need another person playing the role. I want McGregor and Obi-Wan um, li- you know, living it up on Tatooine. Even if he's just like... You know, desert farming, you know, I don't like, mm-hmm. whatever, moisture farming, fighting, you know, yep. sand raiders. I'm in. Let's do it. Um, well, that's it. Disney, Lucasfilm, the statesman has spoken. Get on it. You've had no, no more beating around the bush. John wants it. Okay, it real quick, him. though. Real quick, Dreamcasting. Who is young Luke that well, he's watching from a distance? Oh, man. So he, at the time, he's going to be what? Anywhere between Penny. the age of naught and 18. Um, yeah. Jacob Tremblay, if it's a young boy. Dude, literally who I was thinking, man. <laughs> yes. That was my number one thought was Tremblay. Uh, <laughs> only because he's one of the only ones I could think of. Other yeah. than um, the other, some, what's that kid from it called? Um, J- Leave her. But I think he's too tall. But J- Maybe a little too old. Jacob too, yeah. Tremblay, yeah. I, I yeah. agree. Kingsman and Statesman are doing it together. We're, we're writing the script. Let's make it happen. Um, All right, let's look at the number one. I'm actually a little surprised that this beat out Star Wars. Um, especially because... I feel if you if you poll people, a lot of people list this particular film as their least favorite of the franchise, Interesting. which baffles my mind. I don't agree with that at all. But I literally just heard the guys on Blank Check said that this was their they think it's the, the worst of the films. And I think that's insane. But Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is our number one movie from 2005. Uh, Warner Brothers distributed. Mike Newell directs. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he will then go on and direct the rest of them, or is that the fifth movie where that uh, happens? David Yates took over. David Yates. Going forward, yeah. Okay, so it's the fifth movie. He was where the that... first uh, British director, though. Uh, we get Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Robbie Coltrane, Ralph, Ray Fiennes. I'm sorry, Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Michael Gambon, uh, Brandon Gleeson, Jason Isaacs, Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman, Maggie Smith, Timothy Spall, Robert Pattinson. You know, maybe some people you've heard of. Maybe. Um, 897 million worldwide, 88 Rotten Tomatoes, 7.7 IMDb, 81 Metacritic, uh, which is the tied for the highest Metascore with King Kong, which is a little surprising to me. But um, I like The Goblet of Fire, both the book and the movie. I love the Triwizard Tournament. I think it's, to me, um, one of the things that I think is really lacking in the first two Harry Potter films is magic. Mm-hmm. And that's because they don't know anything yet, you know? Um, the third film, we get the Patronus, we get the Time Spinner, we get to start seeing the world kind of finally open up to us. And Goblet of Fire, because it's a tournament of wizards, there's so much magic, there's magical creatures, <laughs> there's so many things that maybe the plot is where people get hung up. I, I like seeing everything. I love the dragon mm. sequence. Uh, you know, um, 
I, I enjoy the Goblet of Fire. I love seeing the other wizarding schools, which I feel like is where the Fantastic Beast drops the ball because these schools were so intriguing in this movie. And then, like, that's what we were kind of hinted at with Fantastic Beasts is we're going to see what it's, what magic is like in the rest of the world. And they haven't really done that. Um, they keep they said it in foreign locales, but they haven't really explored the, the magic. Or you kind of get a uh, George Lucas overdoing the Republic yes. in the first Fantastic Beasts with, like, here's the Ministry of Magic in America. It sucks. But, um... <laughs> but... I, I'm a fan of Goblet of Fire. Um, it is by far not my least favorite. My least favorite is Chamber of Secrets all day. Um, I think that one is so boring and such a slog. Uh, I, I actually tend to skip over that one in rewatches. Um, Just watch the YouTube highlights. Yeah, yeah uh, which, you know, there's a couple of highlights. Uh, Fox is always great. Um, but I uh, I like Goblet. It's not my favorite. My favorite, without any question is is Quran's film um prison of azkaban but yeah, yeah. um but i i do like goblet of fire not saying it's perfect or anything but i i enjoy this film quite a bit i i like it as well it's it's not my favorite one again but i i think i know you've mentioned chamber of secrets there but to me this series the harry potter series is the one what one of the only series i think where it doesn't really i don't think it really has an a bad film in it if you take them for what they're supposed to be, I mean, the Philosopher's Stone or the Agreed. Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets are, they're kids' films and they, they work are. on those levels. They're for kids and these yep. films like The Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire moving on are for those same kids who are growing up or for yep. the adults who are watching. So I think for the film, the, you know, for who they're at, the demographic they're aimed for, I think they work. And I don't think, objectively, I don't think any of the films are actually bad films. They might not. I, I agree. mean, The Chamber of Secrets is probably the weakest of them actually it's got my favorite piece of music in it the forks oh. forks of phoenix as well in terms see of the again the phoenix saga. is awesome he's wicked yeah. in terms of the saga but so i think i i like this one it takes the story to you know darker places which obviously then leads yep. into the next film the next film but, um it, it feels a bit messy at times i think because there's quite a lot of there's a lot of conflicting oh. and contrasting storylines because you get the tri a tournament which is awesome you get the uh, the yule ball um, obviously, it's a story about kids growing up with Harry Potter and the Rage and Audrey. It almost became um, lots of events <laughs> and emotions. They're all looking for love. Um, I love, but I, uh, you know, I can look past that because it's got some wonderful moments visually. It looks stunning. The Yule Ball. I'd love to have gone to the Yule Ball. It's a it's a first of the series to get a PG thirteen or twelve A rating as well. Oh, and interesting. Some of the I think if I remember like the underwater scenes during the tournament. Uh, and the finale of the film are quite dark, I think, for younger viewers, I think. so. Yeah. Um, but I like the Tribe of the Tournament, the Bobatons and Durmstrang. The Bobatons are unfortunately dispensed with quite easily. I think J.K. Rowling quite liked having the, the big, strong men being a bit more capable, which now I think she might look back on it differently. But Rafe Ray finds his glorious finally getting to, um, you know, open his nose. Uh, no nose. Open his, spread his wings as Voldemort now. I think he's great. Yeah, it, to me, it does get a bit messy, and it does kind of get a bit Mills and Boone at times, as some as the next film does. But I think it's the Goblet of Fire is a really decent film. I think the kids come into their own a bit more. That the just that cast list you mentioned just deserves a yeah. Academy Award on its own, and it's the uh, level leveling everything out. It's the best rated film of the top ten as well. So it's number one of the year. It's received again averaging it out is the highest rated of the year as well so of these films anyway so uh, 
Batman Begins would probably be my favourite film of the year. Then possibly Revenge of the Sith, just for the fun. Goblet of Fire is definitely in the top three of the year for me out of these ten, I think. But I really enjoyed it, yeah. despite its you know shortcomings. But certainly not the worst of the saga. Yeah, no, I think my... But I did not see Goblet of Fire. The first Harry Potter film I saw... I'm sorry, I didn't see it in theatres. Mm-hmm. I didn't... Uh, Order of Phoenix, which I think we talked about on another episode. That was the first Harry yeah. Potter film. I saw in theaters because I finally got into the Harry Potter stories. I think so. I think that was correct. Uh, Um, but I, uh, I didn't see this one in theaters and I had at this point was still not interested in Harry Potter. So, um, it would take another couple of years for me to finally read the books and then go see order of Phoenix in theaters. I had seen the movie by the time I saw order of Phoenix though, of course, but, um, you know, just a couple years off from actually grabbing my interest. I wish I'd seen them all in theaters, um, I, I think they just did a rescreening not long ago, and I missed going to see them all. But um, I would say out of these ten, Batman Begins is definitely my favorite. Um, honestly, I think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would be my number two, and mm-hmm. then Star Wars would be number three. Yeah. Um, it's but, not a bad top three either way. No, no, but yeah, Batman Begins by far uh, my favorite on this list. But well, I, I'm going to do my little nerdy little bit now. I'll give you a couple of figures quickly. Um, Overall, but the average budget for this ten was 133 million, which seems quite tame by today's standards. The total budget, obviously, then was 1.33 billion dollars. The average gross was 586 million for a total of 5.862 billion for the top ten. And uh, we had a Rotten Tomatoes average of 75% for all ten films, 7.07 overall for IMDb, and the average Metacritic was 69. 69, so, dude. 69, dude. <laughs> so top ten. One sentence. Decent top ten or top ten? I would say decent. Um, especially, I mean, you look at the, at the time, only two movies are, uh, well, three movies. I, I can't believe Hitch has a higher Rotten Tomato <laughs> score than Madagascar and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But um, most of these movies are in the 70s or 80s on RT here. And uh, even the Metascores... There's only two, not 70, well, three, Star Wars is in 68, but, you know, um, four, I'm sorry, I missed Hitch again, uh, but, you know, it, it's not, um, it's got some really strong showings from some films, and these are all, you know, blockbuster-esque films, and yet they're getting pretty high, you know, critic uh, approval point. as well, um, so that's, that's kind of interesting when you look at, like, because now I think if you look at the blockbusters from, like, this summer, because um, I would say... With the exception of, uh, yeah, well, I guess they're not all summer movies. They all could have been summer movies, though. I don't think there's a movie on this list that couldn't have been a summer release. Like, none of these are prestige pictures. I mean, they're not all summer releases, but I feel like they all would have fit snugly in the summer. Um, Yeah, maybe maybe, Hitch is the one I think it could have done as a summer comedy, but chuck that out in February, Valentine's Day, or something. Sure, sure. February makes the most sense, but, like, you could throw that in August, too. Like, that would be, like, an August comedy. Or even, uh, like, uh, Longshot this year. You know, you throw it at the beginning of May, you know. Yeah, put up against another film, like, um, uh, something like at the time Endgame, or put it release mm-hmm. Hitch at the same time as Batman Begins, so the people who don't want yeah. to see Batman go counter programming yeah, exactly, or Star Wars or Harry yeah. Potter. You know, yeah, um, I think I think it's a good top ten. We haven't yet hit the the fabled you know the golden ten where we agree that all ten films are good yes, at the very sure. least. But definitely, I think it's... Hitch Hitch lets this down because we agreed that Madagascar was at least at worst you know okay good, 
Yeah. And Chronicles of Narnia was a decent film as well. It's hitch. It lets us down from having us having a golden 10. So maybe next month we'll get that. So that's the top 10, uh, which I think was a pretty decent top 10 as well. So yeah. uh, that's that story. Let's find out what else graced our screens in 2005. Hitting the screen. There is a lot of movies that came out in 2005 that are worth talking about. We obviously can't get into all of them, but we will uh, reference them now and maybe talk on a few. Um, Matt, do you want to go first and uh, bring yeah. up some? For, for listeners of the show, you know that I just quite like to just throw titles out there of films which catch my arm, which I quite enjoyed. So, I know, I chuck five or six out there, just uh, just, just, just names. I, I saw on Precinct 13, thought that was qu- quite good. Uh, what else we've got? House of Wax, one of the, I really didn't like House of Wax. Uh, Juice Bigelow, everyone enjoyed that. The Skeleton Key, The 40-Year-Old Virgin came out this year. A couple of horror films, um... One of them was good, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I actually quite enjoyed that film. I, I do like an exorcism film when they're done right. And I thought that was quite good. Speaking of which, Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist, Paul Schrader's uh, canned effort, was released uh, unofficially slash officially this year. Not quite so good, unfortunately. Uh, I also wanted to shout out for A History of Violence, for, um, David Cronenberg and Viggo Mortensen, Ed Harris. I thought History yeah, of Violence was spectacularly good. Really enjoyed that, but um, and Wolf Creek uh, down under the Australians know how to make a vicious, brutal, violent, um, you know, m- m- nightmare film. And Greg McLean, the mayor of Scare, did that. He gave us John Derrett's iconic character as well. So I don't want to take all the spotlight away. So there's some of mine which just pop off the page, and I'm, I've already noticed about ten more. So uh, what have you yeah. got from the notable um, section? Uh, I actually really like. I haven't seen it since the year it came out, but uh, White Noise with Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Uh, I liked that when it came out. I don't know if it holds up, but um, I am. Uh, I also really enjoy uh, Francis Lawrence's Constantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Rachel Weisz, and I'm a big Keanu fan, and I think that is one of um, – it, it. they don't follow the character from the books exactly, mm-hmm. but I still really like that movie. I like I the take on the character. I Catherine Rostow. Literally. And then, yeah, man, Gavin Rosdale in a film. What's up with that? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Sin City, Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. Frank Miller collab. Um, I didn't see in theaters, but I, I do like that movie. I think it's an interesting uh, take on the story. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, man, our boy Martin Freeman. Um, you get Sam Rockwell, Zoe Deschanel. Freaking uh, really, really love that movie. Um, I had some students watch that not long ago. Uh Let's see here. Um, Wedding Crashers, not so good, but it was funny, I guess. Uh, yeah, Chris Robert Evans Rodriguez. Fantastic Four as well. Yeah. Before we can, he was Cap. We can forget about that. Um, uh, I have – I'm trying to – there's some I haven't seen that I want to watch. Uh, Corpse Bride, Tim Burton. So Tim Burton had two films. It's interesting, actually. Tim Burton had two films come out this year. Um, Robert Rodriguez had two films come out this yeah. year because he had Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And Steven Spielberg. Uh, we have War of the Worlds in the top ten, but then Eunuch um, comes out this year, which I just watched <laughs> the just other day. Um, and, man, that movie, boy, it hits hard. Um, That's heavy. Uh, very heavy film. Good um, as well, though. Good movie. Oh, yeah. Very, very good movie. Uh, just Friends, the Ryan Reynolds, Amy Smart, Anna Faris. Uh, it's it's a fun movie. Um, you get to see fat Ryan Reynolds, which is kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, entertaining. Um and then, uh, 
those are the like. There's a couple I know we're going to talk about when we get to the award season. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of like pulling back. Oh, walk the line. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, a man. Um, uh, one of our better music biopics, I think. You know, it's that's one of the ones which which you hold up other biopics against now. If for a yeah. actual like cinematic biopic, that is one of that is. Uh, it's in the top three. Can I say? Uh, biopics or yeah, or musical biopics, yeah. Yeah, I would, I, I think you could make that argument strongly. Um, Certainly in recent years, we've had some good ones, but I think there's something about Walk the Line which is actually also just a really good film, rather than a lot of biopics nowadays aim for entertainment um, or for you know scandal. But I think Walk the Line is actually a very good film as well. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good look, and and Joaquin is such a great actor. Yeah. Um, I think this was that might have been the movie that we started really taking him seriously as an actor. I think so because, like, he, you know, he's in Signs, and that just it's God that felt so cheesy. And then, honestly, <laughs> also the the village he feels he doesn't really get to show his talent. I don't think with the uh, Shyamalan films he does. No, um, but I really think he gets to kind of stand out there as Johnny Cash. Yeah, I, um, no, I agree there. There was, there was some, then, sorry, go go for it, my man. No, I was I was gonna have to switch to different movies because I was just noticing some other funny trends. Because like uh, Charlize Theron, who today we think of as a tremendously great actress, <laughs> is in Aeon Flux yeah. uh, in in '05, and then Matthew McConaughey, who we currently think of as this great actor, is in Sahara, uh, which bombs horribly. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny seeing those uh, those people who um, don't really pull it. You know, they don't make it work. Uh, I I think I've seen Cursed with the Wes Craven movie with Christina Ricci, Josh Jackson, Jesse Eisenberg. I think it's a werewolf movie if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's not good, but it's also kind of interesting. I'm an Eisenberg fan though. So I tend to like to watch whatever he's in. Uh, Same with, um, I I find him and um, uh, like Anton Yelchin, like that kind of squirmy, awkward. Yeah. uh, works for me a lot of times so i like those those guys but what about son of the mask is that doing anything for you never saw it man never Don't saw it um, ever watch it you get robert de niro I, in a horror film alongside and again the young dakota fanning in hide and seek which was uh oh. I, I i own it i haven't watched it um that's my fact, review i have a lot of movies uh that i i, I realized i told you i was like re- you know reorganizing my dvd collection yes. Um, I'm using Letterbox to build a list to nice. kind of like keep track of everything that's in these binders, and uh, I've man the number of movies that I own that I've not seen is ridiculous. <laughs> like we should um, do, we should do like a a, a book a book watches. So what you've watched this month, uh, and, I, and it could be the ultimate mixed bag of quality. It, it definitely would be like uh, Capote is on this list from yeah. 2005. I've never seen. No, um, I own it. I have two copies of it. Have not watched it yet. I feel um, we may mention that again in the upcoming segments as well. Um, yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, was it? Uh, was another film which I've just seen. And we mentioned. That's it. We mentioned Ryan Reynolds. He's also in the Amityville Horror. Uh, he, so he's he stars in that, and it's not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was. I mean, just big films came out this year, but in terms Legend of, of the, Zorro. Yeah. In terms of the notable releases, there's only a handful that I would consider to actually be pretty good. A lot of the films on yeah. this list, certainly ones I kind of highlighted, are more notorious for not really being all that good, to be honest as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, A Devil's Reject. I know Rob Zombie gets a lot of love for hit from certain horror heads, but I don't really 
gravitate to a lot of his stuff. Michael Bay's The Island. What a cast. Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, Sean Bean. Spoiler, he dies. Steve Buscemi, Jimon Hunsau. Great cast. Awesome films are toys. Films not really very good at all. Um, yep. uh, Red Eye with uh, Rachel McAdams, Killian Murphy, Brian Cox. Another Wes Craven film. Okay, Didn't really I just enjoy that. I just saw. I think what might be my favorite thing I've ever seen on these spreadsheets. Um, March of the Penguins. It stars Morgan Freeman and penguins. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I glossed over that fact, but yeah, it's just penguins and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. I would have put but the penguins actually is top billing in that. But... You would. You would assume so, but it's Morgan Freeman, so he probably has the uh, the the Actors Guild. SAG requires that he has that belly. I guess. I'm glad you bought, you you noticed that because I did it and skipped I'm right over it as well. Uh, another film, Memo- Memoirs of a Gay Show is a film which I really, which should have been fantastic, but wasn't really... Plagued with some uh, casting controversy because it's yes. a Japanese film with uh, basically Asian actors from all over Asia. Yeah. Um, and so there was some controversy there. Uh, this Yeah, 2005 is kind of a, a crap year. I mean, you get Bewitched... The Nicole Kidman, Will Ferrell attempt at a rom com. Yeah, uh, the Rock in generally Doom, hated. Which wasn't great. Uh, Doom, which when you look at the cast of Doom, which I never, I own Doom as I've mentioned, I've never watched it. <laughs> but dude, Carl Urban, Rosamund Pike, and The Rock, right? Like those are three now. Like Rosamund's probably the, the she's an indie darling, I would say more so yeah. than a big name, like household name. But like for film people. We think of Gone Girl and, you know, like, holy cow, she's, she's tremendous. She's one of the good and she was in something last year that ago, was supposed yeah. to be really good. She's in Hostels, but, which I didn't like the film that much, but she was very good in it. But then um, Carl Urban, uh, underrated as Judge Dredd. I think that movie was freaking awesome. Um, but he's, you know, he's Bones in the Star Trek trilogy. And, uh, he was um, in Lord of the Rings as well, I think, wasn't he? He, he is. And then he's, yeah. uh, he's also in um, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, he is. One of those actors who gets around. You may not rec- you may not notice who he is, but he always he always performs when in the role he's given. Um, and obviously, The Rock, super huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwayne Johnson was just a little bit smaller then, but uh, but there's some good for me. Terry Gillum, Matt Gay, Matt Damon, Heath Ledger, and the Brothers Grimm, the Skeleton Key, which uh, which seems to be getting a little bit of a renaissance recently. Not in terms of people saying it's brilliant. But I remember it being awful when I saw it at the cinema. But people now tell me, oh no, it was actually quite good. But I'm not sure. Flight Plan, I saw that with Jodie Foster at the cinema and didn't really think too much of that. Another Sean Bean film as well, Flight Plan. But a lot of the films in this notable release, I think, and I know it's all subjective, but I think that a lot of them are quite middling. We get a Jarhead. I, I liked Jarhead. Jarhead freaked me out. That yeah, was that was a tough movie. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of the movies that gets to you because of the, the um, subject of the film. But there's a lot of films in this which are just... Nah. I mentioned that double director thing, and I just realized Wes Craven also had Red Eye that year, which I yeah, had not I just seen. mentioned that, and it's not. Yeah, it's it's just one of those films which it, it exists. Yeah, it's a film I that exists. I own it. I haven't watched it. Cinderella um, Man came out this year, actually. Ron Howard, and I think that's a good film. I've not watched that. I uh, I do own it though. So <laughs> that is a good film. Uh, Russell Crowe, Renee Zellweger. That <laughs> that's one film which I haven't, which I almost skipped over, but I do enjoy uh, Cinderella Man. And we can't forget. We have to at least mention the Paul Walker Jessica Alba vehicle into the blue uh, that oh. I also never saw. I do not own though. I do not own that one. Um, grateful in that that regard. 
man, this year, this year is kind of full of some junk, man. This is elicited um, the most uh, of all our all of our episodes, I think. I will be watching uh, this the the fog uh, because one of our movie club themes this year is we're doing one month we're doing uh, originals, so we are watching movies that have we've seen the remakes but we've never seen the original version of and then the next month we're doing remakes so we've seen the original but never saw the remake so i've loved john carpenter's the fog so we're gonna watch the remake uh in that month of remakes um so i'll be sitting through the movie that's directed by rupert wainwright starring tom welling maggie grace raid sherbegia deray davis selma blair wow she's the last build on that list of names that is crazy. Well, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on the film. I'll let you watch it. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this has been a... Uh, the top The top ten actually makes this look great. But there are some fabulous films on this notable releases. There's some we haven't mentioned because we are going to mention them in the next segment. Yeah. But yep. overall, it... You know, actually, I'm going to save my thoughts on the year till we get past the awards, until we get to the end, but... Yeah, there's not as many in this notable release as I thought. You know, they're, they're decent films as I thought. But shall we? Uh, shall we move on to what took home some of the statues? Winners and losers. Yeah, let's get into our awards winners, uh, both good and bad, for the year 2005. And I will say, I we left off probably some of the best movies of the year mm-hmm. um, because of the awards. So. Uh, that's that's worthy of being state, stated because there are some better movies than what we just listed. All right, so our Oscars for the year. Um, we're starting with Best Picture. We're jumping in with the big one, right? Here we are. Let's go for it, John. Take us away. This is a controversial one. Crash, uh, yes. a movie that doesn't really hold up as a Best Picture, uh, to be honest. But it won in 2005. Compared to this year's Best Picture, apparently is one of the worst, but Green Book trashes all over crash uh best director ang lee for brokeback mountain one of those films you didn't mention which is one of the best films of this year by far um crazy good film um best actor philip seymour hoffman for capote which uh philip seymour hoffman was a tremendous talent when we had him uh freaking drugs you know don't do them kids taken far too soon and i have seen capote and philip seymour hoffman is that good in this film uh speaking of that good best actress reese witherspoon for walk the line i forgot she won for that that's crazy because yeah. biopics i mean biopics have won some people some awards obviously rami malik just won for uh yes. freddie mercury but or being freddie mercury um best supporting actor george clooney for syriana which i've heard that movie's not so good but he is but the film isn't got it so he's enough Best Supporting Actress, it's John's John's favourite. It's Rachel Weisz for The Constant Gardener. She's amazing. Um, best Original Screenplay goes to Paul Haggis and Robert Moresco for, well, Crash. Best Adapted Screenplay, Larry McMurtry and Diana Rossana for Brokeback Mountain. Best Animated Feature, I've never seen any of these movies. The Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I do not like the animation style of those movies. I cannot Very get British past it. Films. Very, very quintessentially British. But they have an international appeal. Nick Parker and all. They do. Uh, best original score. Gustavo Santo Lala for Brokeback Mountain. I'm glad I got that and not John. Yeah, I would have butchered it even worse. Uh, best <laughs> original song. It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp, which might have been the my favorite thing ever hearing at an Oscars Awards uh, by <laughs> Three Six Mafia in Hustle and Flow. A movie I need to watch. I've not seen Hustle. I haven't seen it either, but that's the kind of song I imagine John, you know, busts out in his truck every day. So, Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and Best Cinematography, 
Diane, Dion, sorry, Dion Beeb for Memoirs of a Geisha. So the film wasn't great, but it certainly was a beautiful looking movie. And I've not seen that, and I, I do want to see that. Um, yeah. It's a shame. Do, sorry. sorry oh, no, no. It's a shame that Munich did not win anything. And it does get some nominations, but uh, definitely would have been deserving of some awards. Um, I, I think by far, Eric Bana is his best performance in Munich. By um, far. And I think for uh, costuming, whoever gave Daniel Craig his hair deserved to be uh, given a Razzie. Because, oh my God, that, that is the worst hair. deserved an Oscar. Um, yeah. Well, before we get on to those hallowed raspberries, should we talk about top, should we talk about how the top ten got on? Yeah, how they were nominated or not. Um, which uh, we're starting to see a shift here. We we noted with some of the earlier like '90s episodes um, that blockbusters or the top ten money grossing uh, were getting some nominations. I think mm. is what we yeah, saw, and yeah. now and now they're only it. getting the technical awards um, nominations. Yeah. Um... Should we uh, just go down the list? Let's alternate, shall we? Okay. Um, well, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire gets the only, uh, the best art direction nom, which I don't know if that franchise has ever gotten a lot of nominations, but that's, again, the kind of current trend. Blockbusters are uh, usually only going to get technical noms. Um, uh, I think, I can't remember. I think Fantastic Beasts actually won an Academy Award. I think it's the first Wizarding World film to ever win an Academy Award, I think. Which is by far probably the least deserving. Yeah, best Picture, I think it won back then. So, um, uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith got nominated for Best Makeup. I can't believe that's, that's it. it. No, you, like, I would have thought you'd have gone for visuals and sound. As per, you would have thought. That's like Lucasfilm stock nominations now, but. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia actually wins for best makeup mm-hmm. and is nominated for best sound mixing and best visual effects. I thought the visual effects were okay. I would have put Sith uh, in, at least nominated, but War of the yeah. Worlds, no wins, but uh, nominated for visual effects, sound mixing and sound editing. Here comes King Kong for best sound editing, best sound mixing and best visual effects. Um, and then nominated for best art direction. Yeah, uh, Academy Award winning King Kong. Mm-hmm. Surprised, uh, Jackson, no nominations for direction, though. Uh, it was well-directed film as well, so uh, uh, who who won Best Oak to It was Ang Lee, wasn't it? So um, certainly wasn't going to beat that. Uh, Madagascar, no. nah, nothing. Nothing from Mr. and Mrs. Smith either. No nominations, and funnily enough, no wins. I like seeing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory get Best Costume Design, because I do mm-hmm. like the costuming in that movie quite a bit. Yep, and uh, last film on the list to actually get anything. Batman Begins got a nominate got nominated for Best Cinematography. Uh, how did Hitch do, John? Uh, nada, sir. It was not hmm. even mentioned. Um, in fact, I believe they invited Will Smith to stay home that evening <laughs> yeah. uh, and not even come yeah. to the ceremony. I but hear he had a fall at a hotel that evening and couldn't make it. I'd like to say though, um, the Oscars have been, I think, really harsh towards Nolan. Um, mm-hmm. and he did get nominated, I, I think last year, right? For Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yep. Or the year before. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious. I feel like he seems like the type of person who the recognition matters to him. Um, and I, I have no real frame of reference of that. I just feel like the movies he makes, he makes blockbusters that are very, very filmic, you know, like they're, they're Cinematic, high quality. Yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like there is the the craftsmanship he expects. The awards in Dunkirk definitely felt like the subject matter of someone trying to win an award. Um, and I, I feel like the Oscars just kind of push him off, and I, I don't like it. I think he is deserving. I, I Even in his lesser films, and I, I like all of his films, um, and I've heard some strong arguments to 
uh, from people who why they're not as good or whatever. But I, I think you could put his movies up against anybody's films and they hold up cinematically. Um, agree, man. So, you know, let's give Nolan some love, Academy. I think they should do. Because, um, on, on, on the point, whether or not the, the, he, he's the kind of guy who wants the acclaim or, or feels he may deserve the acclaim, whether or not that's true, like you've just said, I can't argue the fact that his films deserve the acclaim. I'm not... I think Christopher Nolan is a magnificent director. I'm not one of these Nolan shills or whatever they're called nowadays who worships at the altar and can't say anything he's ever done is is bad because we've already mentioned Batman Begins has some awful editing. And, yeah, and, and as director, Dark Knight Rises he, has some flaws for sure. Yeah, and as director, yes, the editor does it, but as director, he has final say. But I think his films are absolutely deserving. And I think the film coming out next year, Tenet, which I believe is a thriller, an action thriller, that may be more suited for, the, might for what the Academy was, because I heard it's more of a noir film. Which yeah, and I, Pattinson said the script more, was yeah. really long. Apparently, it's the most, one of the most expensive original films of all times as well. So, it you know, they're certainly, certainly going big, but I hope he keeps the story small. So I think hopefully it's an intimate story which just happens to have <clears throat> quite expensive um, things going on in the background. But you never know, this action noir thriller could be the film which lands him, finally lands him an Oscar, because... I hear all the Amy Adams talk and everything, and but you need to deserve. And people say you need to deserve your Oscars. I'm not quite quite sure what Chris Nolan has to do to deserve an Oscar more. Yeah, I mean the dude's made some amazing films. Again, even if you don't like everything he does, and he like I, I would say like all of the the well known directors, he has quirks that you're either going to be on board with or you're mm. not. And um, you know uh. I, I tend to like all of his like he does I think in his films his characters are often like the way that we are told story he definitely thinks he's smarter than all of us and that might be true but At times yeah uh, but I'm you know it doesn't bother me I, I'm fine with the uh, the stories and I I've always found visually um, his his films to be so compelling so yeah that's just just his style and you, mm-hmm. you know. The results he gets, you wouldn't want him to change. So, talking of uh, talking of quality, should we talk about the real awards that came out in twenty two thousand five? You know, the, these are always up and down for me. This year, I'm looking at it. I don't really have any any qualms with what's on this this list of Razzies. <laughs> I have one. Oh, I, I can. I kind of assume I know which one. <laughs> yeah. but... So, uh, um, let's go. We're talking about the Razzies, the Golden Raspberries, John's. John's done a U-turn with the, well, to be, because actually these started off as quite fun and then in the last few episodes they've actually seemed they actually become quite bitter awards but worst picture no yeah. was Dirty Love I don't even know what that movie is so Jennifer, sure Jenny McCarthy I think her name was Jenny McCarthy film yeah I know who Jenny McCarthy is don't remember that movie at all um, worst actor for this year is Rob Schneider in the sequel to the Deuce Bigelow f- uh, film, European Gigolo in this case. Um, uh, okay, I can see that. I mean, he's basically just playing a caricature of his, his persona, but okay. Yeah. Uh, worst actress, Jenny McCarthy, in uh, as Rebecca Summers in Dirty Love. Yep, still don't know what that movie is. Uh, worst supporting <laughs> actor, I'm assuming this is where you disagree, uh, Hayden Christensen, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, as Anakin, of course. He was... It wasn't the best performance in the saga, but I'm not sure it was the worst of the year, supporting actor was. Um, worst supporting actress, Paris Hilton in House of Wax as Paige Edwards. That one just feels almost like mean. Like, I, yeah. I, 
because it's a horror movie, like I'm sure it's not going to be a great performance, no matter who you cast. Like if that wasn't Paris Hilton, you know what I'm saying? Like none of the House of Wax actresses would have been on this list, but because it's Paris Hilton, she's going to get bashed. That's how it feels. And and I'm not like a fan of hers, but at the same time, it's like, come on, easy, low hanging fruit, guys. You know, Um, worst director goes to John Mallory Asher for Dirty Love. Guess what? Worst screenplay. Jenny McCarthy's uh, screenplay for Dirty Love. I man, I would not have guessed she wrote a screenplay. Um, <laughs> all right, worst screen couple: Will Ferrell and Nicole Kidman in Bewitched. A film we mentioned earlier on. Another one yep. we mentioned: worst remake or sequel: Son of the Mask. Well deserved. And oddly enough, I even mentioned this freaking thing. <laughs> Most tiresome tabloid target. Uh, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, Oprah Winfrey's couch. Uh, the Eiffel Tower and Tom's baby. I don't know the Eiffel Tower connection to that stuff, but... Um, um, I don't know what that is. I'm going to scourge the internet to try and find out what it is. I'm assuming yeah. it's got something to do with Tom Cruise, it has possibly to, Katie right? Holmes at the Eiffel Tower. Maybe they got married at the Eiffel Tower or engaged at the Eiffel Tower. or Maybe he, he said he was... on the Eiffel Tower. There it is. I was going to say, maybe he said he wanted to climb the Eiffel Tower and shout from the rooftops that he oh, loves Katie Holmes. Uh, but, still, you know. I'm surprised he didn't scale the Eiffel Tower first. To you got to think, when you look at Tom Cruise's filmography, the worst bit of acting he's ever done was that he loved Katie Holmes. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, which should have been so the most much. sincere time. But a bit of acting, or so not even acting, the most sincere performance came across mm-hmm. as the worst. That was probably the worst supporting actor as well. Yeah, just yeah, and Katie Holmes, poor poor Katie Holmes. Poor Katie. Um, as Family Guy said, you know, she had to be let out of the cage eventually. Um, she was yeah. unleashed by him. Uh, so that's the awards. Do you? Uh, I get in terms of the Oscars anyway. You know, you've mentioned uh, Munich, but can, um, Crash is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb for so many people. So, what do you think of those Oscars? Um, I, I for the most part, I don't have a problem with it. I, I Crash being best picture. Definitely, I don't think it's deserving, especially having now watched. I've seen Brokeback Mountain. I've seen Munich. Um, I still have to watch Capote. I've seen Walk the Line. I don't know if Walk the Line was nominated, but I mean, I've seen like these other movies that are getting awards. And Crash was not the best picture at all. Like, I don't see how that even is on that list. Like, I don't think it's as bad a movie as I've heard. You know, some people really like it. I think there's a lot more hate because it won Best Picture. Um, by the time I watched it, it was like, whatever we, we did a movie club episode for it like a year or two ago. And it's, it's interesting. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's like a horrible movie, but when you like compare it to Brokeback Mountain, like really, how is that not best picture? Like, or Munich, which is like, I, I would pick Brokeback over Munich for sure. But like Munich is a really good movie that's, that tells a really interesting story that I knew nothing about. Um, yeah. You know, having been born 10 years after the incidents take place. And um, I also thought, like, considering the the framework of Munich as a terrorist attack, it could have been so much more of, like, you know, it's a really, like, debatable film about the messages of terrorism and how we, uh, you know, follow terrorism. And it's it's very much a post-9-11 movie. Um, Yeah, that's right. So, like, you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a very, when you compare it to Crash, which is just like, mm. look, we're all connected. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. It's, this is back when the Academy only gave five slots to the best picture. I mean, that year, the nominee, the nominees were, it was, yeah, Munich, uh, Kathleen Kennedy produced, of course. Good Night and Good Luck, Capote, uh, Brokeback Mountain, and of course, Crash. So, 
we've mentioned Capote and Munich and Brokeback Mountain. I haven't seen or actually heard of Good Night and Good Luck. So I literally, literally own that movie. It was given to me by somebody else. It was in a blank box. Like there is a white sheet of paper with good goodbye and good luck on it. And I'm like, what is this? And I it, I just saw that it was from 2005. And so like I literally own it. Know yeah. nothing about it. Don't it's even the best remember who nominee, it to man. Man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I've never heard of it, but I mean, I put Munich ahead of that and Brokeback Mountain and Capote as well. But I'm gonna. But good night and good luck. Just having a quick look at it now. I man, think it's not, a Clooney. Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-three percent, eighty percent Metacritic. It's uh, Clooney, yeah. Grant Hesloff, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Patricia Clarkson, uh, yeah. Director uh, George Clooney directed it. How have I never yeah. heard of this? Right, I know, and I own it. <laughs> right, Jeff Daniels, Frank Langella. So it's not like it's a small independent film, tiny independent film, anyway. Oh, In man. my DVD collection, never saw it. Didn't even know I had it. Still not sure where it came from. Um, it was a blockbuster case too, but it was like you know when they lost the, they lost the box art, so they just printed like a sheet of paper that says the name <laughs> of the movie on it. Not good luck. <laughs> that's that's all it is. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I did not. So yeah, it's about um, Joe Joe McCarthy and. Um, uh, McCarthyism and the communists and rooting out the communists, uh, which I love that part of American history. Mm. I study it. I say I, we studied it at school, so I'm going to watch this film. It's only an hour and a half as well. Ah, well, there you go. It's in my collection. Um, well, there we go. Then I thought, yeah, Crash wasn't the best picture of the year for me. It's not as bad as the world says it is, but comparatively, it's not the best. So that's the that's the award. So uh, let's move on. So what, as is natural, we get a nature and existence. Take take come into fruition in the in life basically. So, uh, what happened in the year two thousand and five? Comings and goings. Well, we're looking at the births. Uh, these are people now. It's it's only been fourteen years, so a lot of these people. There's not a lot of births to talk about because they haven't gotten famous enough yet. But we've got a few worth mentioning. Um, we'll start with uh, probably the biggest name on this list, in my opinion, at least the one who's shown the most promise uh january 4th daphne keen is born um most notable as x23 uh, right in logan um which logan is so good and then anna is that the uh, luke Besson movie that just came I out think this is a, i think this is a different one because there's only oh, okay. one in this anna that's correct uh, i've not seen the luke Besson film yet i've heard mixed things um but this yeah this anna is just one end so who knows but i liked her a lot in logan actually it's the same film oh i think interesting yeah. I believe I believe it is the same film. Um, can't find any actually any confirmation. That, but yeah, I want to. I'm going to watch that Anna film for um for the for the BAMP. So uh, not sure. I'm overly keen on on it on, on the idea <laughs> of it. But keen, good pun. Ah, but yes, you beat me to it there. Uh, no, I think it uh, it is a different. No, it is, it is a different film. I yep. tell a lie. It is a different film. It's currently in production. It's starring Andy Garcia and uh, Luna Lauren Velez. Um, directed by Charles McDougall. Of course. So I'll keep an eye out for Anna with one in then. Uh, on February the 25th, Noah Jupe was born, young lad. Uh, he was, uh, he's was he been in Wonder, the horrendous Suburbicon, A Quiet uh. Place, and the horrendous Holmes and Watson. So good, bad, good, bad. Not him, <laughs> but the films. Well, Suburbicon, I kind of think it, he's partially the problem though, right? Because it, uh, yeah. it does... It, it it's not necessarily him. The movie's asking him to do a lot, and I don't think that's he's able to pull it off. Not uh, even Oscar Isaac could save that film. No, oh god, that movie's so bad. Um, 
then a name I'm going to butcher, uh, Shahadi, right, Joseph? April 29th uh, was born and is in Us and the Lion King coming up. Yeah, very good in Us. And finally, Jack Gore was born on May the 19th. Uh, he's been in Ferdinand and Wonder Wheel, a film I quite enjoyed from last year. Wonder Wheel is... Woody Allen film. That's what I thought. I like that too, actually. Yeah, That's I, like the, um, I don't Kate... mean to say that anymore, but yeah, Kate Winslet, yeah. Justin Timberlake, uh, yeah. Juno Temple. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, my wife and I just watched that in with uh, Jim Belushi, right? Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed wow. that film. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I thought it looked gorgeous. It looked too. stunning. Um. Okay, and now the sad part, right? We can't talk about births without looking at deaths. Yeah. Uh, it's seasonal, and you can only you get you know you get some things that are like spring is like birth, right? And then summer is like the teenage years. You know, it's a little hard, and then. The like adult working life is like fall, okay. and death is like winter, and I that will make more sense to you in the near future, Matt, um, and <laughs> listeners. Uh, oh, oh, is it is, is this a, t- a hint at what's to come later on in the show, man? No, no, I'm referencing a movie that you guys haven't seen yet. Um, so <laughs> deaths. Let's start with uh, a sad one. Uh, July first, Luther Vandross at age of fifty four, <sighs> way too young. Um, singer, actor, uh, notable film achievements, The Meteor Man, um, I suppose. That's an achievement. Yeah, I haven't heard of it or seen it, but I, I do like some of Luther Vandross's music. Um, same same month, July the 21st, Long John Baldry, age 64, an actor slash singer. A uh, notable film achievement was uh, Up the Chastity Belt. And I remember, who was it that Long John Baldry discovered? I don't Stones? know. It was the Stones, I think. Um I want oh. to say that he was uh, he helped uh, the Stones along. And then we get to go until the winter uh, before we get another Here death. December 10th, Richard Pryor, age 65, actor. Um, you might know him from The Mac or Silver Streak. I know him from uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil so with Gene Wilder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was fantastic in that film. That's such a funny film. December the 12th, Robert Neumeyer, age 49, uh, he's a producer uh, who worked on Breach and the Santa Claus 2. I do not like the Santa Claus 2. I love the, the Santa one. Claus. Yeah. yeah, the first one's so good. Um, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And it's the second best Tim Allen performance behind Buzz Lightyear. Yes. Um, December 26th, we lose Vincent Chiavelli, age 57. All pretty young guys this year. Um, and all guys. Uh, actor, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Ghost. Yeah, you hit the nail there. Nobody over the age of sixty-five, which is no, is no way, is uh, no way. But as we always say, for whatever uh, they did with singing, acting, producing, whatever it was, they've left their mark on on the world of film entertainment. So, um, yeah, uh, gone but not forgotten. I think is the old line there. Uh, so as the year concluded, we got some good movies, we got some bad movies, and quite a lot of middling ones. We just found out. Uh, we also had some, some performers taking their first death into cinema. We've got some young ones, some old ones, and some we may not expect. So let's have a look, little look at this next segment. The debuts. These are our debuts from 2005. Uh, Matt, you want to start us off? I do. The biggest one of the lot, 50 Cent Fiddy. Uh, he was uh, <laughs> he's debuted in Get Rich or Die Trying, and he's known for Den of Thieves. Uh, one of John's um, films he's mentioned, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, so Southpaw, good. and Twelve. I need to watch Southpaw still. Um, it's one of the Jake Gyllenhaal films Jake I Gyllenhaal haven't seen. Films, yeah. Good film. Um, 
gotta love Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, I I don't know Boy Eats Girl. I'm assuming it's a zombie movie. Um, he's okay. most known for uh, Ex Machina, Brooklyn, The Revenant, Goodbye, Christopher Robin, The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Peter Rabbit, Mother, and The Deathly Hallows One and Two. I forget he's uh one of the Weasleys. Yeah, he's the, the older brother, I think, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think he, Charlie. I, no, Charlie's the one with the dragons. He's one of them. Uh, he's one of the older ones. It's not a bad lineup of films, though. <laughs> to be honest. No. Oh man, and he's good and all of that. And uh, Frank is not on that list, and I just mm-hmm. got to throw that movie out there because Frank it's is of, awesome. One of John's uh, regular Frank is to John what The Exorcist is to me. I think I've got to get it mentioned, <laughs> not enough, and I still have to see that. Um, a an actress who I'm very fond of, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. She debuted in the Amityville Horror and has since gone on to appear in Five Hundred Days of Summer, Let Me In, Kick Ass One and Two, Carrie, The Equalizer, Clouds of Seals, Maria. The Education of Cameron Post, which is Mississippi. magnificent, and Suspiria, and also Greta uh, recently. Yep, and uh, I, I like her a lot, especially Kick-Ass was, I think, the first time I saw her. Although I saw that Amityville Horror, so I just I didn't realize she was in there. No, and she's in her Neighbors, I think, as well, or Neighbors, Sir Roger, it was called. Um, all right, next up, Carrie Mulligan, who I, I have up and down with. I like her sometimes, and other times she's kind of boring, but... Uh, she debuts in Pride and Prejudice, a film that I have no interest in ever watching. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, Drive. I love Drive. I, that's probably the second favorite performance. I love her in Inside Lulin Davis, which is such a freaking great Coen Brother film. Uh, the Great Gatsby. I didn't hate The Great Gatsby. A lot of people hate on that movie. I was like, whatever, it's fine. Um, and then Mudbound. I, I Mudbound was real tough for me to get through. Um, I, I was really just not in the mood for that movie when I watched it. But it's one of those films which you know it's a good film, but it like you say it's tough to get through. Uh ho, hey, we've spoken about this guy before. I've Robert never Pattinson. Heard of him. Oh. You may have heard of him. John, have you have we spoken about him? Yeah, um, he works well, at the Chick fil A near my house, right? Is that... <laughs> yes, right. I thought I saw him in yeah, in the KFC around the corner, but he asked me I, I did want fright of that, Robert. Uh, he debuted, as you mentioned, in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire as Cedric Diggory. And of course, he's known for the Twilight Saga, Remember Me, Water for Elephants, The Lost City of Z, or Z, Good Time, High Life, The Rover, and of course, soon to be The Batman. The Rover's the excellent. Batman. Um, we get Paula Patton. She, uh, she debuts in Hitch, Ugh. that classic rom-com, um, and then shows up in Mirrors, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, one of the best ones, and Warcraft, a movie that, if you're a fan of the game, isn't that bad? Everyone needs to chill out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't an, a big fan of the film, but I think it has kind of Detective Pikachu vibes. Where if you know if you know the source material, you're going to have a good time. Am I right? Yeah, I, I would say it goes even further into that. Like you have to know the source material to have any kind of fun with that movie. Gotcha. Um, and I got I'll let you in on a secret, Matt. I, I went real hard into World of Warcraft for a while where I was even reading the novels about the story. So <laughs> that movie was made for a nerd like me, and it worked because it was made for a nerd like me. So We are, we are nerds together, so um, some of the nerdy things I do at home I, I couldn't possibly get into for fear of losing my cred, um, <laughs> if I have any. Channing Tatum, that beefcake, he debuted in Coach Carter, uh, which you didn't mention for obvious reasons. I still um, haven't watched it. And he's known yeah. for Magic Mike, uh, Magic Mike Double XL. Uh, 21, 22 Jump Street, Dear John, She's the Man, Foxcatcher, The Hateful Eight, Hail Caesar, and Logan Lucky, which I had a good time with. I, I'm a big, I actually am a really, really big fan of Channing Tatum, because um, he's, he's an actor, man, yeah. I, I, well, he's one, he doesn't, he could just have coasted on his looks, 
and yeah. like he's he's step up as one of his other big like debuts um yeah. and he he laughs at himself he makes fun of himself like in a um this is the end and I, I I think he's earned my respect a lot uh with his his flexibility and this one's so interesting this last one on our list of debuts because he was not uh he was already super famous before mm-hmm. this debut but Justin Timberlake makes his film debut in a movie called Edison which I've never seen nor do I know anything about but um we would see him become a pretty talented actor in yeah. uh some of these movies Alpha Dog Southland Tales The Love Road The Social Network which is one of my favorite Fincher films um Bad Teacher which is awful Friends with yeah. Benefits Inside Luland Davis again um Trolls and Wonder Wheel it's not a bad lineup of films, to be honest. No, it, like for, you wouldn't put Justin Timberlake down, I, you know, for a casual. May not put him in films because some of those films are, like you mentioned, Social Network, Inside Llewyn Davis. I liked Wonder Wheel. Um, some of those films are actually pretty damn good, and he's good in them. Yeah, he is. Um, I, I did just see the trailer for Trolls Two, though, and good God, I can't believe they're doing it. Um, ah. Would you I rather seen... see Maleficent Two or Trolls Two? Honestly, I'd rather see Trolls too. Uh, wow, you really yeah, don't like Maleficent. I do not like Maleficent, and I God, it looks it, the second one looks bad to me, and I thought the first one was bad, and the second one looks worse. Um, I Trolls, I never saw, but I feel like there's going to be enough there to at least be engaging, or like I don't know or if that's true with Maleficent. Maybe, maybe, but there, like there's music and stuff, and music, and if it, if the music's not bad, it can win me over. Like I, I gotta there's... admit. I the I got a feeling from I don't know if it's in the movie Trolls but it's from the soundtrack for Trolls yeah, that Timberlake did. I think that's a good song, super catchy. I'm not gonna like put it on myself to listen to, but if it comes on the radio, yeah, I can nod my head to it. What's whatever. But Trolls um, Two's got the same as Frozen Two, not on such a high level, but you know Frozen's known for that song and a couple of other ones. Yep. Frozen yep. Two. I mean, the trailers kind of the Empire Strikes Back to to, to that first film, but um, yeah. Is, are they going to go full musical? Or are we going? Are they going to try and top it? Or I mean, but then and if they don't try, are they just going? Is it going to be seen as I well? Mean, it every didn't top the first film because almost every Disney animated film is musical, right? So like, yeah, I would be really musical, surprised. Are they going to try and aim for it? I mean, obviously going to try and have a hit out of it, but I mean, Trolls, Trolls Two has the same issue. But they, you know, they've got those songs which are so synonymous with the film. I don't feel so like where Trolls... do you go from there musically? I don't know. Again, I haven't seen Trolls, so I don't know if, if the songs are actually in the movie that way or not. But yeah, they are. Sorry, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, um, I I don't feel like Trolls has as much to lose. Like I don't think Trolls was that successful. Obviously, it made enough money they wanted a sequel, and that they got the original cast back. Because that's the thing to me. Trolls two, I would have assumed would be like a straight to Redbox DVD, you know, VOD, like you know, new voice actors, uh, whoever we could get, just to market off the. The 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 few fans of the first film, but it, the fact that the, all the cast is back and it looks like they've got some bigger people in new roles and they're pitting all these different genres against them, each other, which I feel could be funny, but it could also be kind of offensive if they like you know go too heavy into the stereotypes. Yes. Um. But yeah, you know, whatever. One hundred twenty-five million dollar budget, trolls. Three hundred forty-six million returns. So it it made yeah, a bit wow, of bank. It, it, so. It made it money, but it wasn't a it wasn't a huge hit. So, but it was a hit. It did have James Corden in, which immediately turns me off. But um, yeah, it's a good good <laughs> list. That is, I mean, you mentioned Chan and Tate, and I agree. He he kind of he's not as as accomplished as 
Matthew McConaughey, but it's no. a similar kind of thing. He could have Matthew McConaughey could really have just done crappy rom coms based on his marvelously chiselled body and face for a long time. But he he branched out and look, he's got an Academy Award on his, on his mantelpiece now. But some of the actors, I mean, Robert Pattinson, Chloe Grace Moretz, Donald Gleeson, there's uh, talent, talent from this year. Yeah, Domhnall is is insane, and he takes such interesting roles because he he can lead a film, but that he take he's not ashamed to take like a small part in a movie, um, or or be comedic relief. Like, look at freaking Last Jedi, dude. He gets like tossed around like a rag doll by Kylo, <laughs> and is hel- I mean, throughout he gets crap from everybody. Could you imagine like Tarkin getting? Because that's he's like the equivalent of General Tarkin. He is he is a Tarkin esque light, yeah, yeah, Tarkin light, yeah, and and yet gets no respect. Like Tarkin would never have taken any of that. <laughs> like, yeah, Donal needs to shape up. Hux needs to shape up in the Rise of Skywalker. Or else, you know, I'm not going to be pleased with how they treating our our Donal. He's a he's a he's an Irish guy. He's just a from across the pond. He was also in the Little Stranger, which was mm-hmm. frankly not very good. Um, I like, but it. he was good in it. Yeah, he was. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I it guess. had promise. I think it had um, a good gothic kind of film. Same director, okay. uh, Lenny Abrahamson, from who did Frank. Fra- yeah, which I still need to sit down. You, and watch. you really do need to watch it, man. Because Michael Fassbender in a paper mache head for three quarters of the movie. Like, that what more do I need to sell the film? Yeah, that's it. Like, and again, it also speaks volumes to how dedicated of an actor Fassbender is that he would do a movie where his face is covered up for three quarters of the film. Ghost um, story, Casey Affleck thing going on. Yeah. But before yep. he was pre Affleck though. Yeah. That movie's so interesting. And in, based on a real guy, um, there's a documentary called being Frank. Uh, I saw it at South by two years ago and it is available to watch on, I think Netflix or prime now um, about the real life guy. Cause the Frank takes a lot of liberties with the story. But the paper mache head element of it is true. So <laughs> well, I'm going to, to search degree. this film out and I'm going to watch it. it. We are recording this in the last week of June. By the time we hit up again for the next astrology, I will have watched Frank and I will be able to, when John mentions it, name drops it in the next episode, I will be able to say, oh, I remember that now. So um, and I do got to give credit to Corey because Corey is the one who turned me on to that movie because she's a big Michael Fassbender fan and also a big Domhnall Gleeson fan. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned Maggie Gyllenhaal is in it. Um, and it should be noted that this director, Lenny Abrahamson, who did The Little Stranger and um, – Frank directed Room with Brie Larson and, and yeah. Jacob Tremblay. Jacob so a uh, very diverse style of director. His movies are not similarly uh, stylistically at all. Um, maybe tonally, but uh, deals with isolation quite a bit. I would say that's mm-hmm. the only real connection in his films. But um, yeah, really interesting filmmaker. Does some really unique stuff. Uh I'd like to, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Cause again, while the little stranger isn't perfect, I still thought he, he took some really interesting ch- like chances with the movie and it's a weird, weird film. Um, yeah. Not but, every swing's going to hit. Yeah. For me, no, for sure. Are, in my opinion. Also just credit to Corey for a wonderful, uh, taste in music as well and film and for just being a nice person as well. Corey loves music, uh, a lot. Yeah. So, um, I don't I don't know a lot of the things she listens to. And she also listens to bands that are no longer popular but used to be. Like she's a big fan of Hanson. I don't know if Hanson yes. was big was it okay, yeah. Man, she likes Bop was, was, was the British Master, jam right? that year. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. But uh, those girls were those girls some handsome women they were. 
Oh, uh, those are guys. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, they still tour, and she goes, and it baffles my brain because I'm like, do you know what? A couple of years ago, I I was at work, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, you listeners out there will know what I mean. Sometimes you get those days when you just think, I'm going to Google something which I really have no interest in, or why am I doing this? But I googled Hanson to see what they were doing, actually to see what they look like now, and they're kind of touring acoustically. I think, yeah, yeah. So they're still releasing stuff, and they look. Well, yeah, they yeah they, they look different now. They've cut their hair and obviously they've grown up because it's what that was like twenty odd years ago. That song, but, yeah, I think, yeah, they're still going, man. And they were teenagers when when Umbop came out. Like they were, yeah, like, they were like, I think the, the drummer was like, well, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were actually even somewhat similar appearance wise, exactly uh, to Daniel Jones, especially. Um. Yes, but well, uh, yeah, two thousand five, uh, man, interesting year. Well, you say this. I know we just spent a couple of hours talking about film, but the listeners aren't actually here for that. I know all of them basically just fast forward to get to this moment, the Jonoscope, the horoscope. Let's let's hear, let's just have a little listen back now to what John wants to tell us. This is what we're, all I'm here for. If you were born in 2005, this is for you. This is the year of the tournament. <laughs> your goblet runneth over as your parts, uh, as parts of your life begin, end, and take new turns. Be mindful of rooms filled with children, as your temperament doesn't do well in situations like these. <laughs> with that in mind, it's time to hang up those childish things and put your efforts into embracing adulthood. Ignore those who will try and tear down your dreams, and keep those who love you close. And be sure of who you can trust, else you may fail in your attempts. I can tell you now that this man spends weeks on these John Scopes, and it shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what's even more you impressive know. is uh, John. 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 John's known sometimes to do stuff on the fly, and if it, if that's if that's what he can do on the fly, I'd love to see what he can do when he tends sits down and works on something. I love the John Scopes. You know, we do what we can. Um, in reality, uh, it's it's a fun way of kind of trying to to weave all of the films of two thousand and five together, um, and put it into this kind of nodding horoscope because horoscopes are full of crap anyways right people so yeah. it's why a fun not make way to own. win the show surely yeah if nothing else it's right different <laughs> as well. it's a different way to do it but um as we have now alluded to sadly that is the end of this 2005 episode of movie astrology i want to shout out to john burke for coming on again spending more time talking talking a year in films i thank you again my man of course, man. I love doing it. Looking forward to the next episode when we travel to a different year. Different decade. I can tell you that right now. Um, where can the world find you in the meantime online? Well, you can follow me on social media at Burke Reviews. That's B-E-R-K Reviews. And BurkeReviews.com is where I post all of my writings and, and uh, thoughts. Yep, you can, I, I suggest you all do that now. You can find me What I Watch Tonight across all the socials and WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Uh, online uh, and you can also find me monthly on the bloody awesome movie podcast over on uh, in the book review stable of podcasts so do check that out when we go back in we don't talk about for years we talk about the month just gone in film so always good fun to do that but as i say until next time from me it's see ya and from john keep watching movies mm-hmm.